You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me for the first time in a long time is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's uh, you weren't here for our last Bulldog Hour show. You were away, so um, someone by the name of Paul Roberts just filled oh, yeah. in, you know. We just I figured I could get just a... A pinch hitter for you. I was going to say, it's been a while since I've done this show. Yeah, because we, we normally do three in the uh, off-season that we have here um, from you know January through July, if you want to even call it that, because we know the players and coaches, if they're not doing some other sport at the high school, they're focused on football. You and I here, we usually do our season premiere in February, a couple weeks after the Super Bowl, then we'll do a spring update in you know probably usually april but we didn't do that this year because there wasn't a lot going on there wasn't anything really to talk about right like i know for better or worse i know there's a window of time where they can do their like spring football stuff but because of just the way things fall at wilson usually wilson spring football is usually pretty late relative to when schools do theirs um and that helps them I think helps them maximize numbers and get a good jump start going into the summer. But um, yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it's good to be back. It's a little bit uh, of a more pressing time to talk now. We had our second show at the end of June with with Paul. It was great. We talked about top five quarterbacks, and I, know I got a lot of feedback from that. You know, top five all time Wilson quarterbacks. Uh, people, no one was really, you know, dogging on our picks or anything. There was a few lobbying for guys that were left off, but it was all in good fun. Most of it was, are you going to do running backs? Are you going to do wide receivers? And I said, well, you know, I, I would love to have Paul back on and the three of us talk about those positions and others, but that's an off-season topic. We got right, that to, right. to that in late in the game. Now we're full speed ahead on the 2021 season, and tonight we're bringing you Interviews with the coaching staff, we talked to three assistant coaches, defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber, wide receiver coach Mark Steinmeier, and offensive line coach Brandon Doms, and then also sat down one-on-one with coach Doug Doms. You'll be hearing from those four gentlemen all about, you know, kind of putting a bow on the 2020 season from their perspective, and then looking ahead to 2021, which tomorrow... Day one, heat acclimatization. Yeah, I saw... Ready ready to roll. I saw some, some guys today and saying tomorrow tomorrow you, you get going. So so we don't want to um, waste too much time. You don't need to listen to Justin and I talk to each other right now. We'll give you plenty of that during the season as it approaches. But we want to make sure you hear from the coaching staff. So before we play those interviews, we want to do our housekeeping here and... Uh, Remind everyone that the Bulldog Hour is brought to you by presenting sponsors like May's Sandwich Shop. But not just them. We appreciate their contributions as um, my dad and the shop has supported us since day one. But we also have now three anonymous donors. So um, no names. That is uh, 
their prerogative. They didn't want us to put that out there, but we appreciate each and every one of them, and we thank them for supporting us. Um, and two of them are back for like the fourth or fifth year in a row. So we really do appreciate everything they do for us behind the scenes at the Bulldog Hour. Let us keep doing our thing here. And uh, if you're interested in helping out the show, there's multiple ways you can do that. Sponsorships and advertising or the in-kind donations are great ways to help us out. Make sure you visit the, the website, bulldoghour.com. And then Justin's favorite. Like and share. Anything that we post, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, give us a like, give it a, sh- a share, recommend us to your friends, find us on the podcatchers or on YouTube, and you know, leave comments, subscribe. All that helps us out in a big, big way. Now, we are in high school football season in the state of Pennsylvania. As of tomorrow, things kick off. So our next live show is just one week from now. We will be back on August 15th. Same time, same places. You can find us on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. And then, of course, you can catch us on demand on audio only on places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google, plus many, many others. And we'll get to who we'll be talking to next week at the end of the show. But we do uh, want to touch on just one or two more things before we play the interviews with the coaching staff and this past week was the youth camp the 2021 youth camp where kids from i think down to i don't know second grade maybe i think second grade. uh second grade up through middle school descended on gursky stadium to hang out with the coaching staff and the players they had over 130 students signed up that's awesome and they had an additional 50 coaches and players there to teach these youngsters fundamentals and technique of wilson football and I was uh, invited up uh, Tuesday evening to take a group photo and catch some of the activity on the field at the beginning. And you can find all of that on a, a Google Photos link on the Wilson Bulldogs football Facebook page. And all of the photos taken this year from Wilson football will be available there. So make sure you're uh, you know liking, following, subscribing, not just Bulldog Hour, but all of the Wilson Bulldogs football pages. But you can see more shots there. It was a great time again. I know we had a couple people, a lot of uh, Wilson football alumni, young alumni that just graduated in the last you know handful of years. After posting about the youth camp, they said that was one of their favorite things that they did while they were players at the high school was the youth camp the week before starting uh, their journey for the season. Also, I know, and I don't want to jump the gun here, but I know that uh, the – like youth flag football is is coming back this year as well. I've seen the signs out uh, for signing up. So like, and I know the players help with that too. Like it yeah. is it is really cool to see the high school kids get out there and interact with the young kids that in, in most years are able right. to run around and like take in the games. On yeah, Friday that is a good thing to point out. It wasn't on my agenda here, but I do have those sign up and registration sheets on bulldoghour.com. You can find the youth flag football again. That's for students entering any Wilson elementary school in kindergarten and first grade. It did not run last year, just like the youth camp wasn't available last year for obvious reasons. It's all back this year. It's happening. So make sure you get those forms, read up about the registration fill out the form and get it to Coach Dom so your young one can have a little bit of fun on Saturday mornings in the fall with the uh, high school football players. It's been well-received for close to a decade now, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a good program. Yeah, it's, it's really, really fun. Um, all the kids thoroughly enjoy it every time uh, it's, been, it's been run, so check that out. And if you, need, if you need any more information, just reach out to me and I can get that to you. The last thing before we do 
the coaching interviews is just something that happened today. Rich Garcella, the Penn State football writer for the Reading Eagle, was at Penn State Media Day, and he caught up with a few former Bulldogs uh, from a few years back now, back to the 2016 season. Wow. Yeah, going into the 2016 season, it was Grayson Klein, a quarterback, and Justin Weller, the wide receiver. They are both on the Penn State football roster, as is incoming freshman Caleb Brown, just, you know, a a season removed from his senior season at Wilson. Unfortunately, the the incoming freshmen weren't made available for media day, so Rich only got to talk to Grayson and Justin, but he's got an article up on RedEagle.com, so check that out if you can. But then I remembered that I actually interviewed both of them for this program, for the Bulldog Hour, five years ago, almost to the day. It was a very end of July, first week of August in there. Um, it, you, it was really cool to see because Grayson's wearing a Penn State shirt in the interview. Yes, he is. Uh, and so it, it's great to see them from five years ago to now. And uh, uh, That was a great season for the Bulldogs 2016 Uh no, I think it was a 9-1 regular season, undefeated in the LL League, another undefeated championship in the LL League, District 3 champions, the first ever 6A champion, and made it to the state Final Four. So it was a great season in 2016. Uh, you know, Justin Weller graduated uh, that year, and um, Grayson wasn't around in 2017, but we've been following his progress closely. You know, Justin and I are huge Penn State fans, Penn State football fans. Yeah, so, so and, like, the first couple years, yeah. like, when we – when we would be up at the games, um, I'd have Austin, I'd be holding him or we'd be up in the line when they're doing the walk-in and I'd, I'd see Grayson and I'd, I'd just yell, you know, hi to him and he would come over and like give Austin a high five. And it, it was really cool. Cause like, I know, I think we've mentioned this before, but like the people around start, uh, you we, know, like anytime like, you can get the you? attention of a player, <laughs> right. To come, not right. just like the way well, cool, like, they come not, over and talk. To right. You. Like I, I've known Grayson since he was in 10th grade. Um, in chemistry class but um so yeah so it's not like i, I don't know him uh but yeah it, it was cool he's always been been great and and uh justin you know had been back a few times and would, mm-hmm. would talk yep. to us it yeah it, it's cool to see those guys and best of luck um i know rich talks about how justin changed his number and they're hoping that both right for, yeah there was uh, a maybe you, you could have multiple of the same number on a roster but they're not allowed to be on the field at the same time correct and um a fellow wide receiver, Malik Mega, Mega, I'm not sure yeah. how to pronounce it, wears number 80, which was Justin Weller's number as well. He's expected to play on special teams, so Justin Weller is hoping them forcing him to change his number is saying, hey, we want you to be on the field at the same time right. as Malik, right. yep. um, which would, would lead some credence to some special teams time, which would be awesome. Uh, Justin Weller has a catch under his belt. Were you at that game? I, yeah, I was. I, I, in 2019. Yeah, and right? when, when they say, like, reception uh you know justin weller i was like oh my god screaming (laughs) the the best thing for uh for you and austin when you go up this year is you get not one not two but three yeah yeah get called out to all three of them so all the people around you are going to think like you're a rock star kind of a big deal kind of a big deal right just make sure you let everyone know that (laughs) yeah exactly all right enough talking from us here let's first talk to our assistant coaches again ernie walber mark steinmeier and brandon dom sat down with me last week and let's uh, let's hear what they had to say. All right, well, welcome back to year seven of the Bulldog Hour and our assistant coach interviews. We didn't get to talk to any of these guys last year. Everyone knows why. We don't have to rehash that. But this evening, sitting here with me is defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber, 
wide receivers coach Mark Steinmeier, and offensive line coach Brandon Doms. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. All right. So how was the, you know, your off season, the quote unquote off season? How is the, the spring going, the summer workouts, your team camp? Just, you know, let us know how did things go since this year was so much different than last year? We're a lot better than last year because of that. But um, no, it's nice to have a full summer. Uh, the kids get to know, know each other a lot better, work together more. Um, you can see it in here working out in the weight room and in sleds and stuff like that. The kids do much better than last year because we had more kids here and more kids competing in a longer summer. So it's been pretty good. From a wide receiver standpoint, uh, camp at, uh, at LBC was beneficial. Uh, we had some young kids get, get lots of reps, so they were able to learn the playbook a little bit. Uh, we got to interact with uh, the older kids, kind of see how things were done here. And uh, things, things are progressing nicely. Offensive line-wise, I think seeing it this year, you can really see what we lost last year with not having a summer. So, yeah, I mean, especially offensive line-wise, the team time with everybody around and the individual time, Having that this year is just so much beneficial. So it should be, it should look a lot better the first week we're out there than it did last year. Were there any restrictions in the late winter, spring, summer that affected you this year at all, or things closer to operating at normal other than you know mass? Were you were you able to congregate and get together more often this year than last year? For the most part, um, during the school year, we were still limited a little bit because the AP schedule. So, like, I know Coach Palm brings the offensive guys in in the morning, and they were kind of, not everybody was able to come in every day, so they came in the days they were, but since school ended, we pretty much full go. And the kids, we're having, what do you think, about 70, 80 kids every day? 70, 75 kids every day? Yeah, so it's nice. Was LVC camp, the team camp, you know, that was back this year. You guys didn't get to do that this year. Was that the same as you had been used to in years past? Was there a lot of teams present to, uh, you know, kind of gauge how you're stacking up against a few of the competitors? Yeah, that's, uh, there's 16 teams there. We bring two teams, uh, so, you know, about 14 other teams. Uh, we do interactions with, with all of them except other teams that are in our league. Uh, we have an opportunity to go against teams like Southern Columbia, um, which is, you know, perennial power here in Pennsylvania. So, um, you know, you, you get to kind of, you know, measure, you know, yourself against against good competition. Uh, three practices a day. Um, so the kids uh, are physically, you know, pushing their bodies a little bit, getting ready for camp. Yeah, I agree. We uh, And installation-wise, like last year, we ran pretty much two or three coverages all year because there was no prep time. And we had summer, but limited. You couldn't even touch each other, couldn't play late footballs. Remember that last summer, couldn't throw footballs around. So now this year, having all that time, we have a lot more in defensively. We're learning a lot more. We're more cerebral than we were last year. So it's it's being positive for us that way. The camp's great, too, because it's, it's the first chance we really got to see our kids hit other kids. Like, you only go so hard against your teammates. And right. So you get to see how they're going to fight and battle against kids that they so is that overnight multi-day camp, was that the biggest thing you missed last year? I know you get the quantity from your summer sessions that were, like you said, unique last year, but is that multi-day team camp, was that the biggest thing missing from the COVID season last year? That along with spring ball too, because spring ball we introduced so much and kids come in and start to learn and then we have a seven on seven day here. This year we had 18 teams here, last year we didn't have one. You know, and then we go to LVC, so those things do help us. Uh, and going against different competition, like Coach said, you 
I mean, defensive backs know our offense, so if they're calling something, it's kind of defense is cheating all the way. So they try to take advantage of those, so it's hard to go get each other. But seeing other teams, like Coach Dom said, was a huge part of what we did this year. Hopefully we'll be the success this year. What is your, each of you, your biggest takeaway from last year? Before we look ahead to 2021, you know, we're just next week, heat acclimatization starts, and it, it's here. And I know the fans and community are excited for that. But just to reflect on last year, what was your biggest takeaway? What did you learn? Um, what's your biggest you know, the best memory. What do you think about 2020 now that's in the rearview mirror? Okay. Um, 2020 was like the first year I really took over the offensive line. Like up until then, it was like learning from Brubaker and Lorchek. So as the first year, like making it through that was in the truncated season that we had was crazy. And then the success that our players had in terms of like awards and recognitions was great. I think that was the easiest thing that I could see that we had them in the right positions. Like Ashcroft getting outstanding lineman of the year, Schroofer and Moss getting first team. And then Walters is even going to college now. And that's, so that was just great for them to see everything. For, for, for me, it was um, being able to do things differently. Uh, we had to change so much uh, last year. Uh, from our practice schedules to, you know, times in the locker rooms, uh, just the way you had to think outside the box a little bit more in order to get things done. I mean, you can only bring so many kids in on certain days. And, um, you know, that was a challenge. And uh, it was a challenge that, you know, the, the staff and, and the administration here, uh, you know, took very seriously and did a fantastic job. So we were able to still grow the kids and, and, and get work done, but um, just doing it in a different way. Last year for me, the hardest part was I felt like I was unprepared a lot because, yeah, we got video, but, you know, I'll be there all summer, so we're still trying to implement our basic things in the fall, and we couldn't get everything we wanted in, so it's like I kind of like game plan and, you know, and seeing, you know, as a defensive staff, we worked very hard to specialize our game plans for each game, and it was just, we had so little in so we could do so little during the year. So really defensively, you know, we probably only did about 40% of what we normally do defensively just because such short term, then all the injuries occurred early. And it was kind of like just trying to piece together what we got. But I'm not a video guy. I'm not a coach, if you will, in old school. So all the videos and sending things out and doing this and that was a whole new experience for me. You guys, your team was impacted indirectly by, by COVID last year, um, whether it was league rescheduling non-league rescheduling things being bumped obviously the biggest thing was the end of the way the end of the year um concluded for you which everyone was uh, disgusted about um but is there anything related to last season that maybe was put into effect that has carried over or you hope will carry over was there any positive to come from the changes and the shuffling um positively um you know, not not making the playoffs. Uh, you know, finishing six and one, not making the playoffs last year. Um, it was tough for the kids, um, but the kids were under so much stress um, throughout the entire school year. Um, you know, having them. You know, they were masked up in classes. They you know coming only two days a week. Um, there, there were so many challenges um, that that the kids had to face, uh, and it was difficult for them. By the end of the season, you could see that they were not just physically worn down because we didn't have the typical normal preseason, but they were worn down mentally. 
Uh, that, that Mannheim set, uh, Central game, the last game of the year, you know, we go up, you know, 21, 28, nothing right away. And, you know, halfway through the second quarter, we kind of stopped playing a little bit. And it, it, it seemed like mentally, uh, because of the stress that they were under all year long, uh, really took a really took a toll on the kids. Um, you know, going into this year, hopefully the kids learn from that. Hopefully they they're you know more mentally tough um, as well as physically tough. Which you know that aspect we're able to control a little bit here with the weight room and sure. and, our, and our workouts. Uh, but the mental aspect, you know, you you know these are these are 15, 16, 17 year old kids we're talking about. You know, um, that that was that was a very difficult situation last year for them. For, for myself, I think I learned, uh, not that I didn't before, but I have more trust for the defensive coaches. Um, I missed a Mannheim Township game with the COVID. Uh, I was watching on video on the feed, and I was texting my son constantly in the press box, who was up in the press box at night, do this, try this, try this. I talked to everybody at halftime on the phone about their defensive coaches, trying to do subtle changes. Um, the house was quite loud. <laughs> my dog stayed away from me. But um, I learned that, you know, I don't have to put all the weight on my shoulders like I used to. I have very competent assistants, you know, defensively that know what they're doing. And they went out and pulled arguably one of the top five wins in Wilson history would be people injured and things like that. So I know I can really count on those guys and they're going to come through in the long run. Yeah. Brandon, anything from last year that you hope sticks around or do you just look back on about how? I think like kind of even going back to that township game, the kids realized like, just the intensity we played with that game, like we won that game because we came out and we were just sky high from the beginning. Like the line, like they flew around. Like they may have blocked the wrong guys, but they played with energy. Aggressive line. mistakes. Yeah. yeah, very much. And the sideline was off the entire game too. It wasn't just kind of like, oh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go through this, but the, the, the energy that just spilled off the sidelines. I think if that keeps going, I think it's gonna be that's the formula for a really good season. Yeah, I mean, if you can, if you as a collective coaching staff and especially the senior leaders can get that kind of energy and emotion and preparation, uh, as if you're going to a battle when you're down, you know how many starters? I don't even remember. I lost count last year of going into that game. Um, but yeah, Coach Dom's mentioned mentioned to me uh, just a day or two before that game about how if Wilson was able to pull this off, it would be one of the greatest wins in program history just because of the adversity you were facing i don't you know with the way the season ended people aren't gonna i won't let them forget the win i'll do my best to remember that gotcha. and let everyone remember but because there was no playoff you know you don't have that benchmark to say oh well this happened during this season now thank you you got the league championship so it'll always be talked about but it was it was quite a feat, and that was something mentioned uh, a day or two before the game that this is something that wilson isn't usually up against uh, this premier talented team on the road and you're down so many key guys that that lot had to go right. And, you know, and like you mentioned, coming off from the start, just the way uh, things kind of steamrolled and then when, you're able to weather the storm. When Jaden, when Jaden broke the long run in first place in scrimmage, just watching it, my energy level went sky high and the C team just bought behind it. And guess what? That started the wave and we held on, which was nice. I mean, they, the kids did play watching it. It was, agonizing but watching them play with heart like that was really great to see all right so let's shift our focus now to 2021 and let's uh start with who are our returning starters or your key contributors um defense receivers line just talk about some of the names that you have back this season or you expect to play a, a meaningful snaps for your team um defensively wise 
pretty much everybody playing this year had some time on the field last year with the injuries and the COVID year and people missing different things. So we're returning defensively. I mean, official starters, um, Eli Rodriguez is one of our defense tackles. He's back as a starter. Um, but uh, Memo played a lot last year. Um, John Ramsey's going to play. He played last year. Uh, Alex Worley's going to play. He played some last year. Um, Hop, who played some last year, is going to be there. So the guys up front have a lot of experience. Linebacker-wise, uh, we graduated one linebacker that started full-time last year. Everybody else is back. So that's good to have that group back with a year of learning. Uh, we're talking about uh, Goop, well, Gavin Leonard, who's inside. Um, again, John Rams can play inside, maybe some defensive end for him. Uh, Ryan McMillan playing inside. Um, Landon Farrell playing inside. Those guys all got some time. Outside, TJ Flight, uh, Sean Dendel, um, Jaden Jones, obviously. Um, so people returned their secondary, ret returned Cam, who started last year, and Josh Draker returned and played last year. But again, the other guys in, like Kathy started against Manhattan Township, didn't play a lot of other games, played that game. So everybody defensively, Eric Jackson, another corner. Um, everybody on defense had significant time last year. Maybe not official starters per se, but all of them got time. And we learned what their strengths were, weaknesses are, and we're kind of trying to build off that. Mark and Brandon, before we shift to offense, just following on defense, you mentioned uh, about John Ramsey. Uh, is that you envision a kind of like a hybrid defender? Is he shifting positions? He's going to see time at both. We're using, we're kind of using the Junior Joseph mentality with him because okay. he's pretty multi-talented. So we're going to put him in spots to succeed. And uh, and he's also so much bigger and more physical this year. And we feel we we feel we need a little more physicality at defensive end spot. So, I mean, for me to be percentage of where he's going to play, I can't really know game to game. But early in the year, he's probably going to play some defense then running against power teams like Central Dolphin and Mifflin, you know. Once things open up a little bit, he could probably go back and forth and get some flexibility with game plan-wise and actually throw some different curveballs at teams. So we're going to use him as a hybrid guy. He'll be a middle linebacker, an outside linebacker, a defensive end. We're using all over the place. Do you envision uh... – I know you like to rotate guys to keep everyone fresh, but do you have um, Jaden in any kind of like a pitch count scenario where, you know, he's taking a toll on all? I mean, Gavin, too, both yeah. your starting linebackers are big contributors on offense. Absolutely. Is that something that you have to monitor very uh, closely? Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, those guys are going to touch the ball probably obviously running the ball more than anybody else. Um, so, yeah, we kind of, we've got a pitch count, but we're kind of on spot is what they can handle. And what's nice is we have, I like to have, we like to have defensively three starters every position. You know, we have two tackles, play two lands. We want three there. And this year, we do have a lot of depth. So I think we can make those changes and make those uh, substitutions at times and not crucial situations to get guys off the field, to get some other people some time and to get them off the field a little bit. So it's not an official number, but it's kind of how it goes. Jaden has a long run. We're not going to throw him on defense the next Saturday. You know, and Goose has a long run. Something Game like situations. Exactly. Come up. Secondary, you know, our guys catching passes, they run for a long touchdown pass, so we're not going to put them on the field gas. We, we feel as if we have enough depth to sub substitute for them so they get fresh to bring them back on. Mark, you and your group saw a huge loss in Troy Corson. Not that you didn't see a huge loss on defense from Troy, but let's let's talk to Mark about the wide receivers. Losing Troy Corson, you know, multi-year starter, big contributor. Yeah. Uh, who are your receivers that are coming back that maybe have some experience, and who are some of the new guys we could see this year? Well, uh, some of the guys coming back, Sean Dendel. Uh, big wideout, six foot four. Um, TJ Flight is playmaker inside, plays a little slot, play outside. Uh, Josh Drake, real solid, uh, good route runner, catches the ball well. Evan Williams is going to play outside for us too. Uh, has shown great, uh, great speed so far. The, you know this spring, 
Uh, obviously, you have Cam. Cam's a multi-faceted uh, uh, kid who can go inside. He can go outside. He can play running back. Uh, we can motion him and do things with him. Um, so we're very fortunate to have those guys. Uh, also, you have uh, 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 Kai Cooper, who just came over from Muhlenberg. is another young man who, who just wants to play, wants to get out there, wants to learn how to do things. Um, uh, so it, it's a unique group of guys. Uh, you have some speed. You have some size. Um, Austin Value K, which is another one who uh, we brought up as a freshman last year and played with us. Um, and he's only going to be a sophomore. Uh, but he's another six foot three wide out. Uh, so we have some size, some length, some speed. Uh, it's a good mix. Um, we'll have the opportunity to make big plays uh, inside with Cam and TJ. Uh, and, but we have, we're tall enough and big enough to go to go vertical on people as well. Uh, you know, physicality. Uh, again, these guys are, are, are uh, they play both sides of football. So we have to, again, like Coach says, you next to have two or three guys deep that can play. You know, we have to do the same thing offensively because, you know, if they're playing 70% of the game defensively, 70% of the game, 80% of the game offensively, you know, they're going to wear down. And their, their bodies are going to take beatings and, you know, they're going to get bumps and bruises and nicks. And, you know, we need guys that are going to step in and, and, and go play and, and know what they're doing. So... Depth is key, and it sounds Depth like you have key. a lot, a lot of bodies in there. We do. Uh, you know, you mentioned the first three. You mentioned uh, Drake, Flight, Dendal, all scored touchdowns, receiving touchdowns last year. So, um, some some talent back back there for you, talent, um, yeah. Mark. I don't know if you can or Brandon. This is kind of the in between here. Tight end, H back. I know the offense has changed a lot over the years. Maybe it's not a, a direct tight end, but is there a guy that's filling in that plays a uh, position similar to that, that that you can talk talk on? I'll take it. We're gonna start. Uh, yeah, last year we had like Corey Powers and John Ramsey in that tight end role. Ramsey's moving down inside to help us give a little bit of depth there then too, so it creates an opening for Nick Weitzel to step in. Nice tall tight end, good blocker, everything like that. Then we've got Ryan McMillan, the inside linebacker. He's a wrestler, so he's not afraid to mix it up. So he's gonna be your good, like really solid run blocking tight end. Again, running back last year for offense again trading positions to again create that depth where we need it again because running back wise we've got Jaden and Coos and Beckford and the list goes on so it's like where can we really get our best 11 on the field and looking to move him to that H-back tight end goal is good and then we again we move Troutman down too so we've got good depth there so we've got and that's just even the top three so we've got even more sitting behind that but those are probably the ones that are going to look at real varsity time at the tight end spot. And, and Sean Dendle being six foot four, he plays our weak side receiver. Um, we're able to go to a, uh, a two tight end look in our 11 personnel, which is one back, one tight end, um, by moving Sean down. Um, and he can he can do some things um, as a second tight end as well and not have to change personnel groupings. So it, he gives us some flexibility. And he's a smart young man who, who knows what to do in those things. And he's physical. And he's, he's, he's not your typical long run, go down deep and catch balls. Right. He'll mix it up. Remember last year to scrimmage, he had a kid from Richmond. He had a kid, what, 30, 40 yards 30, downfield, still locked up. So he's a physical kid. I could be wrong trying to think back over the years, but not too often do you see wide receivers playing outside linebacker for you. At least I can't recall too many, but this year you got – TJ Flight and Sean Dendel mixing it up in there. Yeah. Usually running backs like you see Jaden out mm -hmm. there. Um, but so it's interesting to see both uh, 
Sean Dendel and TJ Flight, two of your receivers, also playing for you at outside linebacker. The game has changed so much. I mean, everybody's so spread, spread, spread. It's so you have to have guys be able to do that. Like, you know, we'd like to have our outside linebackers almost strong safety types. Uh, and we'll have another guy in there that's a little more physical against more physical teams, but the game has changed so much. You've got to kind of roll with the game. And it's nice to have that athleticism where it's pretty simple. You feel confident we did one of those guys covering a wideout. Brandon, how about your your main five, your five big guys in the trenches? You know, we have a, a couple guys coming back, but there's a few new faces that we're going to hear from this year. Yeah, we have Dendel's coming back on the inside. Jack Dendel, big. He's only going to be a sophomore. He got some playing time as a freshman last year, kind of started out as guard. He's probably going to move out to a tackle position. The other, it was like the guard position last year was like a little revolving door of getting in. Um, Backler was in there, too. He's kind of still in the mix on the interior side. And then Kyle Hassler, he's probably going to be out. So, again, between Hassler and Dendel, they're the nice, your prototypical, like, what you want for a tackle, 6'4", 6'3", like 270. So we've got good size there. And, again, Ramsey has varsity experience. He's moving down to play inside. And then kind of like the Wilson thing is, like, you wait until you're a senior to step in. And that's Alex Worley. That's Jack Durning at center. Kyle Fackler's in there. Um, and then even younger guys that are kind of serving in that backup role, Logan Kurzweig's in the mix. It's a nice sophomore coming up again, another wrestler. So you got that mindset. He's just going to be in there in battle. Brendan Hopp is just a solid kid. Maybe a little bit much for him to go to um, play both sides of the ball this year. So we're going to kind of let him focus a little bit defensively, but he's still right there in the offense pushing. Um, younger um, Zach Weitzel then too. So offensive line, we've got a nice group that can definitely push and nobody can be comfortable in their position because again you've got Hassler, Worley, and Dendel that know the tackle and Weitzel. And then interior you've got three or four or five that are all in there. So they're battling and they're pushing and you can definitely see the results. So across the board I'm hearing got depth and competition at these spots ready to go. That if someone unfortunately would we see injuries, we got someone ready to go. Um, or if someone's not performing there's someone next next man up. And like Brandon you said especially at Wilson, we've seen over the years, you buy your time, then you become a senior, and now it's your time to shine, and that's what you're seeing here this year. And that's always one of my favorite questions each year is, who is, you know, it can be team-wide. It doesn't have to be position-specific, but who could be a senior that's going to step up and be a breakout guy that we didn't hear about the first first two or three years of his career, but now he's ready to uh, step up. Is there a name or two that come to mind? Uh, again, it doesn't have to be your position, anyone that's been working out real hard and you expect to um, them to turn some heads this year. Well, with the depth we're talking about, it's kind of nice because kids are pushing each other, whether um, there's some weight room on the field. But we've mentioned, like, Alex Worley. Alex is a kid that came out. Is it kind of a thin – he was a tight end originally, wasn't he, Coach? I think when he first came out. Yeah, was, yeah and was... just watching the transformation of his body and watching the physicality, he's going to be a kid that's going to be a Wilson kid, step in. Um, Durning's going to play some defensive end force too. He's another kid that stepped up in it. Evan Williams, another kid that hasn't played a lot of varsity football. Expect to help in the wideout. I mean, I'm just looking around, and it's as coaches we all say, when's it, which seniors are going to be, you know? And it's always a few of them. And those guys just learned the right way and done the right things and paid their dues. And it's their time. And it's, I mean, like I said, that's three or four kids. I mean, I, there's probably more. I'm probably forgetting names. And I apologize, you guys. But uh, it's just neat to see those seniors. Even um, White, you know, I'm sorry, not White, so even uh, Dendel. He played some last year, but no defense. Nope. Not a down of defense. So getting him in there and getting him, it's neat to see those guys have success. And you can see the confidence in them. It's great to see them guys knowing it's their turn. 
you know, Eric Jackson's another young yeah. man. Um, forgot who, as a sophomore, you can see his athleticism, uh, but wasn't able to get on the field as a sophomore, junior, much, played a little bit of special teams, and um, has had a real good sprint for us. He, he's bought in. He's a senior now. He gets it. Jason Beckford's another one uh, who has uh, a lot of athleticism, had great winter workouts, uh, catches the ball very, very well out of the backfield as a runner, could, could be a possible tight end kind of guy for his H-back, you know, kind of guy. Um, you know, so kids like that, uh, they you, you just seem to find them. Um, you know, they understand that this is this is their time now, and you know, they put the work in, and, and now it's time for them to, to go out there and do it. Oh, uh, I forgot one kid I want to mention, Gannon Bruberg. I can't believe it. he's been injured this summer, so I, didn't, I forgot to mention his name. Yeah. But he's a kid that's never played for us, uh, and he played a little bit of safety last year for us, but he's going to step in this year, and he's going to be a very vital part of our defense. Um, he's got a little hamstring issue. He's just getting over now. He's cleared now to go. But uh, he's going to be vital to our defense, and he's going to be important in our game plan. Coach's son, super intelligent, very physical, and the kid just wants to play hard, and he does every time. So he's going to be a big part of the senior class, too. And he's had, he's had the opportunity to learn under Troy Bush exactly. in the last yeah. two, two, two years. So you know? mentally, he's really getting it. So mentally, he's he's doing a real good job with his fits and his assignments and his leverages. Uh, so he's he's going to help us out as well. He, you know, he, he's a, he won the big game against against Township a year ago at quarterback, yep. you know. Uh, you know, he's in the mix there, and, you know, he's, he, he's a vital part of, of what we're going to do. Yeah, I was going to, two of the guys you mentioned, Eric and Gannon, were both big and key contributors to that yes. township victory. That, yes, yes, they were. Yes, they and were. they've gotten much, much better, and they're they ready to go. Yeah. They're excited. It just, you don't want to have to worry about motivation, but you know when they become seniors, everything becomes so heightened. Because a lot of them are finally realizing, despite I know you telling them all the time, you never know when your last snap is going to come. That's good. It may not be your senior year, so you better always play 100%. But once they get to their senior year, you know... That they're all ready to go. Then they all say, wow, that went fast. Yeah. Right? Wow, that went fast, yeah. Exactly. Um, Brandon? Just Worley and Durning were the two that I was definitely thinking when you asked the question. And again, I think Worley and Durning are probably going to be full-time starters on offense. And I think they may even work to spell each other on the defensive side of the ball. And I think it's going to be situational on defense when they get used based on the team. If it's run-heavy, if it's pass-heavy. And with that said, too, the other... Lyman, and again, he's pretty much going to be a defensive specialist. Is uh, Dominic Mello? Uh, I go think with Dom, yeah. He is going to cause some fits for some <laughs> teams, so I think he'll be a name. Certain games we're going to hear a lot. Yeah. yeah, he's a kid that started out as a sophomore with a, with a lot of talk and a lot of <laughs> drove us nuts. Yeah. I grounded him from talking a few times, <laughs> um, but no, he he's given our line some trouble, and he's going to be an athlete that's going to really jump out, jump off the screen this year. Excellent, excellent. Very, very good responses. I love hearing those names every year because those are the ones, you know, we, Justin and I are here at the end of the year. You guys talked about this guy before the season started. I had no idea who he was, but by week five, we knew who he was. Right. And it's usually because whatever coaches I get to talk to, pointed them out at the beginning of the year. All right, so what game are we looking most forward to on the schedule this year? We got 10, as, as far as we know right now. Only got seven last year. And we know always Mifflin stands out because it's a rivalry game. It doesn't matter what happened the year before. But now this year, what do you think about this the schedule? Which one stands out? You can give me the, the Mifflin. That's fine. You want to talk about Mifflin. But if you're going to give me Mifflin, give me one other one that you're, that you're interested in uh, in uh, 
competing. Central Dolphin, week one. Week one. That's where our focus is. Put our game plan in, started instituting our game plans. That's where we're focusing right now. Whenever you're matching up against one of the premier teams in the state, you know, there's always a little bit extra. And they got to play in the playoffs last year. I think they um, felt a little awakening running through the Central York buzz saw that not a lot of people saw saw coming. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Central Dolphin's always a good one, and I'm glad that game's still on the schedule after missing it last year. Uh, yeah, you know, Central, like, like, it's Wilson football. So, like, you have, you know, you open up Central Dolphin, Mifflin, Exeter. Like, there you go. There's three, take your pick, you know. Exeter, is, you know, is going to have a nice football team this year. They have, you know, uh, several kids that are Division One athletes, at least three that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, they're big physical kids, so, you know, you know, getting a chance, we don't play Berks County teams much, you know. So having that opportunity is gonna gonna be interesting, you know. And then, you know, I used to coach at at Benheim Township, so I always look forward to to coaching against Mark Evans. Um, you know, when I was the head coach of the Express, he was my offensive coordinator um, with the Express, and then so uh, I went and coached with him when he got the township job before I came to Wilson. So that's always a game I, you know, I, I enjoy. And, I always get a few text messages from Mark <laughs> that week before before the game. That's yeah. week 10 this year, right? Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So here, week I just noticed the schedule. I didn't even know who when we played them, but I mean, yeah, that's gonna be a big one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, we get everybody's best shot every right. single week. So yeah, yeah. That's ex- whether whether it's like it turns out to be a game for a quarter, a half, until we finally can get away from it, or if it's just a dogfight for four quarters, like. I think our kids know that's. I mean, we go into the games like time kids. You're going to get the best of the best. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get Central Dolphins we'll best. You're going to get Mifflin's best. You're going to get Exeter's you know, best. And you know, Exeter's come in and give it their best. And then you got Martin Luther King. You've never seen us, but you know what? I'm sure they've heard about us. Yeah, no idea. Oh, they're playing one of the better teams in District Three, and they're like, okay, so now another target on back. And then Mayhem Central wants to get back, and they want to get yeah. back to where they belong in prominence. So you can just go through the schedule. Take it's break. amazing. We try to ingrain even at, when we get the kids at West. You're going to get your best shot. When you get to the high school, everyone wants to come and beat Wilson. It doesn't matter what level. Van Reed and Lincoln Park, they know where, the, where they end up. Where are you going to end up? So they want to give you the best shot. And obviously, Absolutely. it becomes a lot more important once you get up here. But everyone always wants to beat a Wilson team. Yeah. They're wearing that red and white or they have that bulldog in their helmet. That's extra motivation for them. And I feel like every year we talk about how ridiculous the schedule is. The first five weeks this year are something that I didn't even know was possible until the, the leagues reorganized. You know, we couldn't even imagine it. Host Central Dolphin, get to host them, that's nice. Right. Which also sets up a unique thing where you're not leaving Berks County until October. Right. Which, I, when was the last time that happened? Exactly. Yeah. You're hosting Central Dolphin, you're going to Mifflin, you're going to Exeter. Yeah. You get to host Martin Luther King, a team you have no information on. I mean, well, they, they don't have any info they on us. they spring, but, so they're kind of technically, yeah. those teams that played in the spring are kind of ahead of us. Yeah. To say it, that season under their belt uh, four months ago, and then Manheim Central. You know, it's, it's two of the two of the most prolific teams in uh, the Lancaster Lebanon League and District Three, okay. regardless of level. And then, oh, then you get to start the league play. Okay. You know, the teams that are very familiar with you and definitely want to knock you off the horse. And you mentioned Manheim Township is the end of the season this year. The LL League, I guess, finally figured out. Let's put that matchup at the end of the year rather than the middle of the year. And well, and then you throw Hempfield in with George Vigor, mm-hmm. who's a good friend of mine. I mean, he coached with us. He did. So he wants to knock us off. Yeah. Sure. I mean, and he's and building a good program. Yeah. Cedar Crest, every year they're like, it's their year. They're ready to step up and play, you know, for a championship. So it's a wide open league right now. I mean, 
between McCaskey. I mean, no, that's coaching issues you just warned me about, but who knows? Yeah. The league's a toss-up right now. It's It's been been a while, I think, since you said, you know, we could say, well, I don't know who's going to win the league this year because forever it was Wilson and Manheim Township recently. This is a whole new ball game coming off of the COVID year and some teams getting to play in the spring, not around here necessarily, but uh, Hemphill was a team that I wanted to focus. You know, everyone talks about those five non-league and Township. And I didn't want to forget about those. In, I know you're not forgetting about them, but everyone watching him. and listening, that Hemfield game last year, after the Township victory, you get to exhale a little bit, that Hemfield game was the next real test. Absolutely. It lucked out getting to be here at Gursky last year, but you got to go oh, yeah. there this year. You're going to travel to Landisville and take on Hemfield. And you mentioned the connections there and what they're returning. So I think that Hemfield game is, a, is definitely one, a, a maybe a not-so-traditional one. I know it was big in the 90s, um, but... Yeah, Hemfield, I think, will be interesting this year. And he's instituted a lot of things we do here, so it's we're looking in a mirror almost yeah. each other. For for better or worse. Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's just wrap up here with a couple, um, you know, not necessarily Wilson-specific questions, more about you and, and coaching. Um, is there anything you'd like to see changed in high school football? It can be Pennsylvania-specific. It can be league-specific. It doesn't matter. It's just there's something that you see somewhere else doing or you don't want to see. Um, happen here? Is there anything that comes to mind that you like to see? It could be safety related. It could be personnel related. The big thing with me is the whole paying college players, and now the number one player in the country high school opts out. And he's getting what a million dollar pot, something like that crazy. Um, I hope it doesn't filter down. But once the first, remember a few years ago, nobody bailed out of college bowl games, and now it's a commonplace thing. Yep. So now you got. How many more of the high school athletes are going to say, well, you can't be a high school athlete and make money, so make, it's more important to make that cash than to play. So you have one do it. When's it going to start being more? When's it going to snowball into a bigger effect? Um, that part worries me for the sport because high school and college football are always just, you know, every week matters. And now it's, it's we're getting in a world where I'm not real comfortable with right now. And if you start to see players like that opting out, high school seniors opting out of playing football, is I know they got scholarships sitting ahead, but it, that really, that, really to me really eats the core of the game it takes something away from it it's no longer about the passion uh, for the game itself it's about something you play, else you play your friends for eight years old you play 10 years whatever literally through middle school high school and all of a sudden i'm sure their friends understand because they're making a lot of money but life isn't all about money all the time yeah. you know you're never getting this high school years back how many would you play another game oh my gosh and one of us yeah. will play another game in sort of why i do this show kind exactly. of <laughs> so i just i don't understand I don't know. Everybody's yeah. a personal choice. I'm not going to say no. they're wrong or right, but... Name, image, me. likeness is interesting. Uh, probably was overdue for college, but now, you, like you said, immediately it started trickling down to high school, and now Quinn Ewers, the Ohio State, you know, he's from Texas. He's technically, I guess, now graduated early and enrolled at Ohio State so he can take advantage of it because the state of Texas, you can't make money while you're mm -hmm. off your name, image, and likeness. Exactly. Uh, it's a state-by-state -state thing right now. So oh, that see, yeah, that. Okay. yeah, so that if that changes in Texas, maybe he would have stuck around, because it doesn't sound like it was an injury thing. It was a, it was a money thing. Yeah. He's the number one recruit. They already said he could, I think, make, he'd be the 25th most marketable college athlete if he was in college, um, making high six figures, maybe seven figures off the bat. Um, before playing it down but yeah you're talking about giving up a year of your high school career with the people you played with the community you've developed so it, it's tough i there's part of you that understand but the other part oh, like oh man that's that's rough exactly it's just it's 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 tough and you, you miss out i mean how many we're all adults we have children and we're yeah. going through life and how many we will go back to high school tomorrow i mean to have a chance our opportunity even to college we go back tomorrow just to not have all that weight on your shoulders with everything and it, 
it's it's I feel bad for I'm not angry about it. I just feel bad for those kids missing out on something that's important in your life. Yeah. It'll be interesting how that goes. And an NIL question is something I had teed up for Coach Dom. So I'm glad you brought it up here. I didn't know if I wanted to saddle you guys with that or not, but you brought it up. So, yeah, you know, uh, I don't know if you, I, I know you know this, but, you know, my son wrestles at the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. My daughter's a gymnast at Iowa State. So if there's anyone out there that wants to sign my children <laughs> for, for the name, image, likeness, I think they are both barstool athletes. There you go. Hey. I think they did. That's a know, start. There you, you know, go. Maze sandwich shop. They could be Maze, uh, you know, spokespeople, you know. If we, oh, if we make a note here. here. If we sandwich, yeah. You know, my son's Same a big cheesesteak fan. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> um, you know, we can call one the Cavalier. No, but, hey, uh, there are opportunities here. We'll yes, have to there, talk. There are opportunities here. So, but, you know, like Coach said, it's uh, – you don't want to see kids miss out on, on these opportunities that they have in high school. Um, it's it's unfortunate that you know some of the kids are starting to think that way um, because everybody that's ever played a high school sport would always love to go back and do it just one more time. And when it's gone, it's gone. And there's not anyone that, that hasn't done it in college or you know, at whatever level they they played, and whatever sport it's been, um, that would not give it up just to go back out there and just do it one more time. So enjoy it, kids, and um, take full advantage of it while you have the opportunity uh, to do so. So, I think for more local, like at least for us, like I wish we could get away or get away. With I wish we could have shoulder pads like uppers on all summer long. At least for linemen. We used to do that. Yeah, but I know, like, the PAA. That's PAA rule, right? But, I mean, for linemen, like, offensive linemen, it's like, there's only so, like, you're losing half of the game, half the battle with, like, hand placements and aiming points and all that stuff without having shoulder pads on. And you can kind of simulate a little bit. you got to wear helmets, so you get a helmet or a face mask on the shoulder. We have a kid this summer with shoulder bruises. I mean, we have those little incidentals on, but how many schools don't? Okay. Yeah, that was that was a change. What about five years ago? Or yeah, we yeah they they made it and and the thing is like we didn't go full scrimmage. Like it was just did, we, protection. We still had pads and we had stuff on and shields, but it also let you learn the game. Like what coach was saying, with hand place is so important. We teach you know the shoulder pad, the number, the yeah. clear number. Nobody's wearing that stuff, and it's kind of hard. And it's so now we go into camp and used to go in kind of knowing who you who would step up and be physical, but now it's a big question mark. You know, especially with the younger kids coming up, who knows who's going to really be that physical kid. That did take a lot away from a lot of programs. Well, those are all good responses. Name, image, likeness, and that specific to something that the PAAA changed, you'd like to see it go back to the way it was, or then come out with something else that allows you to do um, the way you operated in the past. And it's not so much to get, you know, you're trying to get more contact. You're trying to just protect them to allow yourself to do a little bit more than... Where you, what you're limited to do now. I mean, now we we practice for four days because we really don't practice the day for a scrimmage much. But this talk about safety issues. What about the kids who learn how to learn to make contact? You know, you, you're going through junior high and, and things, and you can be the bigger, stronger kid. Just yeah. just muscle people. Guess what? Now you're going against men, 15 year old kid against 18 year old. You got to learn technique, and we have four days to learn technique for the tackle an opponent. For me, I that's if you don't talk safety yeah. factors, that's, that's a huge one. Part of it. Huge one. Big one. All right, last two questions here. This one here is, um, well, this one's a little bit selfish, focused on the media ventures and things that are out there. But we want to know, Justin and I and, and the fans and community, what are the best ways to 
cover the team and the sports and not necessarily football specific, but how do we cover high school sports now that traditional media is falling apart? We're moving away to more digital media. You have these other places popping up the way to operate. You know, uh, things have changed so much at the Red Eagle that they don't have enough people to cover these games. Not just, again, not football Fridays, but everywhere. You know, you talk about everything that's happening and now you only have a, not even a handful of sport writers to cover everything. What's the best way to do this? Is this something that it's up to the parents to, to take care of now? Or is there something that you would like to see happen uh, for the student athletes at, at Wilson and Berks County and beyond? I think we talked about this a little when Drago, the news, when the news broke that Drago was leaving the Red Eagle. We're like, okay, so now it's going to be, he's going to only be able to cover so much. Like he does a great job with what he does, but he can't be at, what, 14 different Berks County football games on a Friday night. So it's almost like it's going to go back to the school district. Then. So then you would need almost like the school district would have to hire like a communications or like sports. sports like an SID, yeah. yeah. And then, so then it's like, okay, now they're putting more money into the sports program. So then somebody to cover like everything like the school you have to cover the band and the theater all that stuff too so it's a whole nother position in the school district out of the pay so okay, taxes have to go on. but then it's like i mean wilson is one of those schools that has like student internships and stuff like that so maybe you find a student that wanted to do that and they could be a sideline reporter or they could kind of help take over and cover the boys basketball game and write the article that way and the school district handles their more news reporting and things. Yeah. You know, newspapers are dead. I mean that's that's an old that's an old, you know, form of media. Um, you know I miss my black fingers are in <laughs> <laughs> like like Coach Tom was just saying, um, uh, you know, looking at uh, an internship, you know, you have a lot of local universities, uh, here in Berks County. You know, you have Alvernia, you have Albright, you have Penn State Berks right there, you have Kutztown University. Obviously there's there's gonna be journalism majors and so on and so forth. Uh, internships would be would be opportunities for uh, for some young people to to get into uh, you know maybe it's sports marketing you know most of these universities I know Kutztown does they have a uh, not a major but a minor concentration in, in in sports management you know maybe that's a way that you can create an internship for people to to work with local school districts or you know maybe not just one maybe two school districts and and, and promote the media promote the sporting events that way. I think uh, the student angle, the the for for whether it's for credit or just for something to throw on a resume, both high school and collegiate is a great way to go. It's great exposure. Um, there's some travel liability you might have to worry about if it's a road game, but all that can be worked out. But I think Wilson has already started, and it's become more prevalent over the last few years with Wilson Media Productions. You, your home games have been on the web for many years now. For a while, people didn't know where to find them, and we finally got it out there so that people could watch. And up until last year, it was mostly for people that were out of town or, or not able to make it to the stadium. But I think if you can call it even a silver lining, one, you know, quote, positive from last year was the advent of or the adoption by more communities, more schools to do the live streaming of events like that, whether it's a community event, uh, a liberal arts event or an athletic event, you're putting stuff out there so that the people who are dedicating their time, volunteering their time or are doing it for passion, that stuff's out there for anyone to consume. And I think that was one of the best things that happened last year that not only were the home football games streamed like they had been the last few years, but Wilson Media and um, whoever they brought in to do the gymnasium cameras 
all those sports were now out there. Now, of course, we weren't allowed to be here watching in person, so it was kind of a necessity. But I'm hopeful that that sticks around because sure. the more eyeballs you can get in front of these things, the more people, you know, dwell up support for it. So, right. um, but yeah, you guys had great suggestions. I mean, I'm I'm kind of like again old school guy, but I'm looking more at the athletes. I mean, how many of these? I mean, how many times is your name in the? Do you see your name in paper and print once you're out of athletics? Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, so you get those guys who are, you know, average high school athletes, but had some success and read your name in the paper. I mean, yeah, we don't talk about individual, but yeah. it's important to a kid. No, it is. Absolutely. Kid, absolutely. You know, when everybody talks about, oh, my offensive line and offensive line, we don't get that often. You know, they get their name jotted down in an article or something, or they can read it on, on online or whatever. It's a big thing for them. And I feel bad that that's going to be, it's a missing piece a little bit. You know, nobody plays to get the highlights. Nobody plays to get the press. But, you know, it feels good to get some recognition beyond your team. Everybody on your team knows how important you are and you're an intricate part of the program. And But it's nice to get recognized outside. So, hey, you send it to a friend or send it to a relative in another state or something. Hey, look, them in the paper type thing. It's a neat thing. And I'm really, really sad that that's not going to be available because with less coverage, it's going to mean the kids are going to have less time. Yep. And it's going to take away a little bit of more of that personal touch with the kids. You know, Drago used to do a great job of his interviews year to year. They kept diminishing because I'm sure the paper was diminishing his role. But he used to do great articles about a player or a special situation, twins playing or something. You know, something yep. extraordinary about a kid. So you get to know the kid more personally. Mm -hmm. And now with his forum, he's limited. He can't do how many kids. Right. It's limited to what he can do. And that's like really, again, back to the kids again. I feel bad for the kids missing out on opportunities. Um, I, I think... Mike Drago sports is the direction that he needs to go for Berks County. And I know Wilson's Wilson gets the click. So I know he's going to be focused a lot on what the Bulldogs do. And he's only starting with football and basketball. So um, he's looking to add stuff in the spring, but I know Wilson is, is at the top of his list and he always likes to catch up with uh, the athletes past and present. I know he's reaching out to, um, uh, you know, historical guys from the Berks County area, but there's definitely um, possibilities there. And you mentioned, you know, those, those fun little nuances, um, the, those little side stories that relate to the student athlete, but are you know are usually family connected, yes. are very interesting. Um, but I like you know you talk about the offensive line doesn't get a lot of love. I still remember an article from 1998 with Coach Stoppi and his offensive lineman, with Coach Stoppi standing there with his five linemen on the front of the sports section. Like that was huge. Absolutely. Like that was amazing because that's you're you're always writing about the quarterback, the running back. Maybe the receiver or the, the flashy defender, but you don't get to often see those offensive linemen. And when I, I don't know if it was a Mike Drago article or not, it was 20 plus years ago now, more than that, 25 years ago almost. But it was it was very cool to see guys that you don't hear about very often. No. And so. defensive tackles fall in that mode. Those exactly. just those guys the trenches. Yeah. And those guys, defensive ends get most of the sacks. Those guys are banging heads every single play. And you know what? You don't hear much about them. Just a little bit of, oh my God, get, to, you know, yep. get people in the public seeing you and wrecking. It's a neat thing for them. It's a neat thing to experience. It's a little bit of validation for all the effort they put in. They, all of them are going to say, and I believe all of them say, the team goals are what matters. But if you can highlight me once, I'm going to remember it forever. Absolutely. All right, so last question here. Just what is your message to the Wilson fans, the community, prior to the start of the 2021 season? What do you want to let them know? We're going to play Wilson Bulldog football. Um, we have a chip on our shoulder, and I'll say it, last year missing the playoffs, angered quite a few of us, and the kids on the team. And I see a little chip sitting on our shoulder this year. You know, we're like, you know what? You know, we're, I'm going to say we're going to be great. We're going to go undefeated, win the state title. That's what I'm talking about. We're going to play hard. 
and uh, we're going to mount show up, and we're going to play with heart and desire, and we're going to play fast, and we're going to hit. We're going to be aggressive, and come watch us, because we're going to have some exciting nights, exciting times. Not say our team wins every night, but I'll tell you, when we leave the field, the team's going to know we played, we play. and they're going to know walking off the field, they're going to be a little sore, because we're going to bang, and we're going to bang hard, and we're going to come. I just see a look in these kids' eyes. There's fire in their eyes, and they're intense, and they want to let it loose, and really let it loose for a 10-game schedule. So I'm we're going to play Wilson football this year, and we're going to come at it. And it's no, no excuses. Let's go. <laughs> I'll let you go after that. After that, yeah, great. <laughs> um, I think just taking back to like, the, oh, I hate going back to it, but again, it's just township. Like the energy of that game, like the fans need to like the players feed off the fans, and then the sideline hears the fans cheering. So just cheer every game, like be in the stands, just be loud, be vocal, and all that. Let that spill down. Let the players hear it, but let them feed off of your energy sometimes. I know, I mean, there's some games when we go in, we know the result beforehand, which we don't. <laughs> um, but if the fans are up the entire game, maybe their best shot doesn't hang around for a half. Maybe we bury them or whatever. Maybe like, we just come out sky high from the beginning because they can feed off that energy from the stands. All right, Mark, bring it home. Big finale. Well, I was just going to say that, um, you know, this is my fifth, fifth year, sixth year coaching here. Um, just a just a heartfelt thank you to the to the Wilson community for everything that they do to support the program. Um, you know, bet- you know, from yourself to everything that you do, um, the people in the community, the, the businesses in the community uh, that support the football program and all of Wilson sports. Um, you know, being an outsider, you know, looking uh, at Wilson, you know. Athletically, academically, it's the premier school district in Berks County, you know, no doubt about it. Uh, it's one of the top districts in, in the entire state. But the people of Wilson, the families, um, they're willing to do whatever they, they can um, to, to help make Wilson a success. And not just the football program. It, it, it's great what they do to help out the program, but it's all the other teams as well. Um, they do a fantastic job of supporting all the sports, the students, all the all the extracurricular activities. Um, I mean, it's a fabulous uh, place to uh, to raise your raise your child. I mean, yeah, I'd just add a little bit to that. Um, working with teachers in a building, uh, they always amaze how many people who went to school here, teach here, or work here, and don't move. Even don't work here, just stay in the community. And it's kind of a different people. They're like, it's amazing how many people want to stay here because they believe in it. They believe in you know. And what's here, the school district, the, the area, um, each other. I mean, I mean, you're still here. I'm still here. I mean, we've been here forever. And my kids are still here. Right. I mean, so it's just a lot of people said that in past superintendents and principals have come in and out said it's just amazing how many people are here. And it's because you said, Mark, it's because yeah. of what they do and what they believe in. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's an awesome thing. I, I consider myself extremely fortunate to be able to play here and coach here. And I'm, I'm very lucky to do that. All right, well, I think that's an excellent place to end. Thank you guys so much for taking time to talk to me and come on the show again. And hopefully this year we'll be able to catch up with you after games and get a little bit more insight after many, many victories. Thank you, Thank you guys. Thank you. All right, so you made it. We're halfway through of our interview <laughs> episode. Yeah, this is always a long one, but we love it because we get so much out of it. Hope you enjoyed that interview with 
Assistant coaches Ernie Wolbert, Mark Steinmeier, and Brandon Doms. And Mark and Brandon are, I believe, making their debut on the Bulldog Hour. We have never so. had them on before. We wanted to get them a couple years ago. It didn't work out. Last year, obviously, didn't work out in any capacity. But this year, we're back and got to talk with the three of them. And that was great, uh, great answers looking ahead to 2021 and talking a little bit about 2020. But before we get to Coach Doms, I did just want to mention quickly the Wilson Football Tradition Club is running a fundraiser to help offset the cost of the championship team reunions that the, the club does every year. This year on September 17th, during the Martin Luther King game at Gursky Stadium, the WFTC is welcoming back three past title teams, uh, 1985, 1990, and 1996. So if you're a member of those teams, Reach out to WilsonBulldogsFootball at gmail.com and RSVP if you're going to go. But we would like to see if anyone out there is interested in participating in the fundraiser that's going on right now. And it is a Chocho ice cream pre-sale. Um, you can go to BulldogHour.com and pre-order bags of Chocho ice cream. And all the proceeds are going to the Tradition Club specifically for this event in September. We've sold about 30 bags or so. So we've made some money to help... Um, buy the tent and the food for the returning players. So we encourage you, if you like ice cream, if you like the Chochos, you just want to support the Tradition Club, check out BulldogHour.com and find the uh, the ice cream pre-sale link. Orders are going through this Friday, August 13th, and then the pickup of the ice cream will be Saturday, August 14th at May's Sandwich Shop between the hours of 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. So again, BulldogHour.com, check out the Wilson Football Tradition Club Chocho sale. I had never had one until about two years ago. And now what are you? And I, I just happened to get that at May sale. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was great. It was great. All right. So we're going to move on to the interview with head coach Doug Doms. Again, a lot of great information coming your way. So I hope you stick around for the entire length of it. It is, it is, a, good, it is a good amount of a discussion I had with Coach Doms last week. And I'm ready to share that with you right now. Coach Doms, thanks once again for joining me here on the Bulldog Hour, our coaching interviews. Back for year number 16 as head coach of the Bulldogs and 46th on the staff overall. I saw in one of Mike Drago's article recently, you're tied with one of the coaches for longevity on the Berks County ranks. I don't Somebody remember who it was. Or uh, Silvestri or Wolfram. Or Wolfram. Yeah, it's one of those big Silveri guys. Silvestri has the most at like 50-something. Silvestri's a little bit up there. So, yeah. Um it's actually amazing to think about that. So many of you have been in this area coaching uh, student athletes for so long. It was They're all retired. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them only have one part of the job left, not all facets. Um, but I mean, obviously, we're glad to have you back here again. It is crazy to think 16th as head coach because I remember back to the news clippings from when you took over saying, ah, one year. only be a year. Yeah, so That was the plan. That <laughs> was this, this emergency stopgap. Well, plans change, and unfortunately we got to see that throughout uh, not just football but everything last year with uh, the pandemic and, and COVID wrecking havoc in all facets of life. But specifically talking about football, Wilson was able to navigate to a 6-1 and one record. Um, winning the LL title outright, no no shares this time around, but unfortunately being snubbed from the District 3 playoffs. Don't bring it up. Uh, yeah, well, let's give a quick <laughs> recap of last season and the difficulties and disappointments. 
because I, Justin and I didn't get to talk to you last year. You know, we weren't able to do these interviews. We right. were just thankful to be able to get to the games. But, you know, before we look at 2021, let's talk about 2020. Nothing to sneeze at, 6-1 and one league title, you know, great, continuing a whole bunch of streaks. But the, the two, I think, that uh, lay heavily on coaches and players is the opening game and then realizing as you're going to Man and Central that this is the end. So um, what do you have to say about the 2020 season um, well, here a year later? I really think that we, as a team, get a lot for the offseason, a lot. I mean, uh, just from strength training, from agility, from athleticism, conditioning, we really didn't have that. We didn't have our uh, spring football. We did summer camp. Started up by first and just basically got back into the weight room. I think that hurt us. And uh, Mifflin had a really good football team, but we made them better than what they really were. Take nothing away from them. They had a nice line. They had some really good skill kids. But we gave them some, we gave them some plays early that we shouldn't have. We don't score right before halftime. Or, uh, you know, that gives them tremendous momentum in us. And it takes, uh, deflates us a little. And then we come out second half and they score right off the bat. I was very disappointed with the team, but that's something you learn that once they scored in the second half, our kids kind of waved the white flag. And no matter how much you exhorted them, they you just couldn't get them fired up. And I put that on myself, where I have to find the buttons to push that make them fight through it. Because if you remember a couple of years ago when Jan Johnson was a senior, we were in the same situation. You know, they were pounding us, and we came back second half and won the game. Yep. Uh, so, you know, we have to find that. That's team chemistry and, and myself trying to find the buttons. Very disappointing game. Uh, we regrouped. In a big way. Uh, yes, yeah, we regrouped. And I'll give it to the kids, you know, the, the athletes. They, uh, they listen to us. They realized that they didn't take that game as serious. I mean, you know, when, you, when you've been rolling over them year after year after year, they think, oh, we're going to just roll over them again. We regrouped, uh, ate a little bit of humble pie, and came back and uh, proceeded to you know, win the next five games and put ourselves in a position to qualify for playoffs. And then that was a travesty of justice at the district. In, in, in multiple ways. Number one, New York teams, the top teams in New York didn't play each other because that would have been their playoff. So they both go undefeated. Um, Harrisburg had only played three games, and then they go up and play a JV game against State College, Connors Varsity, which it wasn't there. JV game. And the player that had COVID, they didn't take. They already knew he had COVID. Tuesday, when the district met, right, after they declare the four teams and we're out, <laughs> Harrisburg then goes in and says, oh, by the way, we can't play. We don't deal with COVID. They were all still there. They could have very easily said, oh, okay. And the whole committee was still there. They met again and said, no, we're not going to change. Which we saw in sports after the fact. Right. 
Now I know fall sports, the first sports season with having to deal with COVID and everything that comes with it, um, from the simple things like masks all the way up to limiting uh, interactions, or we saw on, you know, directly how many people were allowed in a stadium, yes. not fans, student athletes and coaches. Uh, so yeah, it was interesting year, but the, the way that ended was just absolutely um, head scratching to say the least. Did they ever give you any kind of, Hey, this is why we they did this. No, they, they basically just said, we said we were going to take four teams and that was it. Boom. And as of Tuesday, that was, they were going to be declared. They said, we declared these are the four teams and they were still there. I mean, when Harrisburg, yeah. They were still there, and they remet and said, "Nope, we're going to stick with our decision." Well, why are you only you're only taking four teams, and then one of them's going to get a buy? I mean, that we already had prepped. You know, uh, I'm sure that the team we were going to play in had, would have been playing had already prepped for us on Sunday because until Sunday night, Harrisburg didn't have a game. Central York or William Penn? I which... think it was Central York. Okay, yeah. but they, you know, I mean, so we had already game planned for that whole thing, but. And then it was like five thirty Sunday night. It was late, came yes. out that or six thirty something Harrisburg like that. Harrisburg got a game. picked up State College. So and we still then we had a quick prep for Mannheim Central, and still felt there was an outside chance with COVID the whole thing that you know they would put us in, which they did in basketball. Right, and we saw it happen. But they didn't do it in football. And the other thing that really ticked me off is we realized this was going to happen, so. As much as they didn't want to do it to give ourselves a chance, I had scheduled, I had talked with East Pensboro, and they were in the same boat as we were. And if they had another win, they would make playoffs. And if, so we had, we had talked, and we said, listen, if this happens, we'll play each other. You know, okay, they didn't feel they had as good an opportunity to beat us, but if they did beat us, they were in. They didn't, they were out anyway. And if we beat them, we'd have been in. But the district said, well, you can play the game, but we're not going to keep running. Well, they were counting Harrisburg on Monday. Why couldn't they count us? Because he said, oh, you're just doing that for power rate. Oh, so is Harrisburg. That's what Harrisburg we were, they were told they had right. to play four games right. to be included. They were scheduling them on odd days of the week, cramming games in. So I don't game, see why it was any different. I don't see how it was any different. We were targeted for whatever. And I talked to powers to be, and they just... I don't know. They dug their heels in the sand. I mean, they have the power. Now, so it broke a big streak. I mean, I don't know how many years in a row we went to playoffs. Every year uh, since 2004, probably. I want to say. Because yeah. I, I know Chad's senior year in the fall of 2003, right. there were no, you did not make the playoffs at 7-3. So, so. I thought we had a legitimate chance of winning this Central York was a good team. I think Central York was even better than people yeah. thought, too, yeah. once the playoffs rolled around. Right. We have a team that can play against teams. Still. And that we'll never know. It would have been, would have been fun. It would have been exciting to yeah. find out. Um, but that, that was a that was a very good Central York team. So but yeah, was, uh, I mean, one league streak kept going, but yeah, a little bittersweet and kind of left with a bitter taste in your mouth too with the way things ended. Now, so you found out Tuesday at some point that no playoffs were off, no matter what, no matter what. At any point, had you thought about scheduling games after Mannheim Central, or was that always off the table? I would say we discussed it as a staff, and we have a lot of kids that play basketball, and scheduling more games would be kind of anticlimactic because, I mean, for some teams, okay, but, I mean, we go to districts every year. That's what our target. So, 
a regular season's over just to schedule games to play games. Uh, I just thought you know, it wouldn't have been fair to the basketball team, the wrestling, those guys. Sure. You know, hey, our season's over. Let them go you know, to their other sport. Sure, absolutely. Looking back on 2020, is there a positive to come from it, from everything that happened on the season, um, whether it's, you know, COVID mitigation related, you know, health and safety related, um, students' mental makeup, was there anything, a big positive you can take from the way 2020 went? Well, the two things that you always want to take is, number one, you hope that they're going to be really, really serious with Mifflin this year and play with a chip on their shoulder. I'm sure they go, they were embarrassed. Like, it's probably embarrassed. how Mifflin felt coming to Gursky sure. last year. Sure. They were embarrassed. And Mifflin's got a wealth of talent back. So hopefully we were mentally ready for that game. And second, you hope that the kids realized how leading life and success can be. You know, they we, we take advantage, we take for Granted, the fact that oh, we're going to have football, we're going to have fans, we're going to have school, we're going to do all this. And, you know, COVID showed them that that's not necessarily the way it's going to be. So hopefully, uh, just as human beings, they got a little bit better appreciation. But definitely a lesson that needs to stick around. Oh, yeah. Ever present, ever green right there. So let, let's look ahead now to this season, 2021. You're starting heat acclimatization practices. Well, when I air this, it'll be tomorrow. So uh, very close. Looking at your squad, you know, besides our seniors that graduated, everyone knows that Caleb Brown and Troy Corson, Jeffrey Colson, and a whole slew of guys, they're not coming back this year. They're, they've moved on. Uh, did you lose any players or coaches that we unfortunately won't get to see on Friday nights this year? Is there any big losses outside of those graduation seniors? Uh... Are the graduating seniors, no. Not really. I mean, you know, pretty much back. Uh, coaching staff is back intact. Alex Twyford's going to help us okay. you know, as a volunteer coach this year. We have some other peripheral people that want to help out with strength and conditioning. But you know, we've got some questions. You know, obviously, you know, you lost Caleb, who was very, very efficient at leading our So, obviously, quarterback's question. We lost a wide receiver squadron, you know. Uh, so, I think we have some kids there that can play, but they've got to develop gain sense and they pass to the offense. Be able to go. And a whole offensive line for the Offensively, we've got a lot of big questions. A lot of question marks. Defensively, uh, I think we're pretty solid up the middle. Defensive end is a question mark for us. I mean, we don't have necessarily those phenomenal athletes at the defensive end. We need to get some kids that are solid against the rush, run, and solid against the pass. And, and then the secondary, I think we have kids that can play, but they're not ready yet. they got to get up to speed fast. And that's hard to do because that's where you miss having that second scrimmage. You know, because you can do all the seven on sevens you want. You can do all that. It's not want. the same. It's not the same. The speed isn't the same. They don't have to worry about the running game. So we have some questions. Are there any significant changes to high school football this year? I know we asked it a few years ago if there were rule changes or something that came up that uh, maybe the, the people watching, well, it'll catch them off guard. Right. Is there anything that happened? No. 
no, no, no significant. I think you know anything that was changed for last year just remained the same because of the whole COVID thing. Obviously, the defenseless player is still one that I'm not a big fan of. But the person isn't looking, and you block him, they throw the flag. You know that's that's a tough one. A lot of judgment calls. A lot of judgment calls. But anytime there's a big hit on those, they're gonna probably going to see the flag. Yep. I we ended up talking about this with your assistants, but it's something I wanted to specifically ask you about this name image likeness that's going on with the college. We've now seen immediately trickle down to high school. It's only, you know, the big, one of the huge or the biggest uh, recruit we're going in senior year of high school to enroll early at Ohio state. But what, what are your thoughts on the, the whole name image likeness? Not so much as it relates to college, but will it show up in high school sports more prevalently than just this one scenario. I, I think you're going to see it. I don't think it's going to be as prevalent because they don't have a name, national name. I mean, you have Michael Parsons coming out of Harrisburg, who was one of the top recruits in the country, but the college is known, but uh, the 12 year old kids out in right. California don't know him. So they're not going to buy Michael Parsons jerseys or things like that. I think where it could trickle down is is with the uh, the Geek Squad kids that are really that are making games or you know I mean that's what the whole thing started with that that's what the him about because that guy was a big time football player was right putting all that stuff out and yep. and selling all that stuff on almost like the side part-time job kind of yeah. thing. And he wasn't able to, and we've seen that right. in various other aspects. Uh, and actually it seems to right now on the surface, yeah, you're going to see your big college quarterbacks make money because that's the way the world works. But some of the um, athletics in non-major sports are the ones that are benefiting the most. So it'll be interesting. It's just something that came up and um, your assistant coaches, we all said, I couldn't believe that someone would want to give up their senior year of high school um, but of oh, course, nice. when someone's tempting you with six, seven figures, that may, makes you, uh, right. you know, readjust and you really yeah, take a look like at things. Mike Parsons not playing a senior year in college. Oh, you, you know, you're gonna, or you're gonna see that more and more with running backs. You know, Miles, you know, out of state, and those guys. You know, they you you go out this year, you're gonna be set for life. If you play another year, you might get hurt. Right. You know, it's it's a tough scenario. But I, I would I hate to see it in high school. I, the early recruiting in high school was killing high school. You know, it's kids that don't bust their butt their senior year because they're already signed. They're already done. Is. Oh, kid in Texas. I know there's a kid in Texas. Just sitting out to yeah, avoid it because why risk it? a chance of getting a risk. The colleges should, the NCAA should have something in there. I don't know how you do it, but yeah, it's tough. Know, high school How do you high govern? School yeah, I, I mean, I know at least in past, yeah, I closely follow Penn State. I know in years past, players that injured in high school, they still get to keep their scholarship. Right. And I know at least once in the last couple of years, once they got to Penn State, went through the medical exam, they found a heart condition, couldn't play, still stayed on scholarship. Right. And that's the way it should operate. That's if you right. earned it, it, you get it. It used to be that way. I mean, that was, NC, that was an NCAA rule. If once you were awarded a scholarship, unless you quit, you had that you were scholarship. Good. Yeah. Once I mean, you, you signed, get, signed yeah, that. I mean, you could blow letter. out your knee and never play another down. You had that scholarship for four years. Right. But somewhere along the line, that got that got taken out. Well, yeah, that definitely belongs back. 
Uh, well, let's talk about the team's 2021 schedule. It's Every year I feel like I say, wow, how could you schedule something like this? You're definitely going to be battle-tested by the time you get to the league. And then you had the interesting crossover situation be thrown at you a few years ago. But first five weeks, let's start with the positive first. You're not leaving Berks County until October. <laughs> the way, that's great. The, you know, little travel, small bus rides. Um, but yeah, so host Central Dolphin. Missed that game completely last year, so it'll be nice to uh, welcome the Rams back to, to Gursky. Always a marquee game. Career starter and quarterback. Yeah, big-time big player. Get to go to Mifflin, and we already talked about last year, and you talked about you know being prepared and ready to go uh, for, for the Mustangs. Then have to go to Exeter, who both times have played Exeter in 15 to 20 years. It was mid-2000s, I think. Maybe one of the first year or two you were the head coach was the last time. That was before that. So, yeah, it's been a while since uh, Wilson Exeter happened. Should they only schedule us because they thought they had loaded the team and we were going to be there. Well, they do have they do have a quite the good team this year, so that'll be interesting. And then you welcome Martin Luther King, who no familiarity whatsoever, a team out of Philadelphia that was thrown together as you were trying to get a 2020 right, schedule. Get and then they ended up not playing, at least not playing in the fall, and it was rendered moot to begin with. And then oh, just Manheim Central, you know, just the you know one of those coming off of a losing uh, coming off a losing season, not playing well yeah. uh, at home. They were getting booed by their own fans, which is. Not something right. you see that often in high school football. So they have a lot back. Yeah, I mean, just talk about those five games. What's it like well, to throw the team in mean, that? Central Dolphins always tough. Yeah, you know, McNamee does a great job. The staff, it's, it's staff does a great job. They're always ready to play. Physical, hard nosed football player, and you know they've got mostly back four year starter quarterback on back in offense. Doesn't need to coach. So that's that's going to be a game for us. We're going to see how good we are right off the right off the out of the blocks. And you know, I I'm a little concerned because, as I said, we're very raw, raw on the offensive line, raw in the secondary, raw receiver. We got two pretty good running backs back, and if our offensive line can gel and we can pound the rock, great. You know, I don't care if we throw a pass. You know, if we can just keep you know eat up the clock and. See what happens. Then we go to Mifflin. From Mifflin comes here. To Mifflin. To Mifflin. And, I mean, they got Singleton, who really came into his own last year. Good. Uh, I'm sure the Eden kid from. Yeah, I've been down in the Philly area yeah, until last year. Quarterback he was quarterback yeah, that's what it's. Came. Yep. Yep. So he'll be the quarterback. And then I think the Martin kid's going to be on one of the wing. Fast, athletic. Uh, those three guys are going to, we're going to, we you got to get to Singleton before he gets ahead of steam. I mean, he's a big physical kid. He's fast. He ran a 10 and, but they lost their line. So hopefully we can roll the line scrimmage and uh, force them to run, play a lot of toss game. And, but it's going to be, I mean, I, I think our kids are going to be very serious about it. Ready with all the inexperienced kids. Then you get to Exeter. When you mentioned the team is they're loaded. I know, and and what worries me about the Exeter is our kids are going to think we're better than Exeter. And in any given year, we are, but I don't know yet. 
and you we can't go in there sort of like Mifflin. Now, coming off of Mifflin, which is going to be a tremendous emotional game, you worry about, you know, a letdown let as well. But, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll game plan for them when the time comes and we'll work our psychological warfare and uh, see what happens. Martin Luther King, though, is an, an interesting King one. Martin Luther King is four or five wides. They throw the ball all okay. over the field. It's like playground football. They've got tremendous athletes, skill positions. But what I saw in the spring, not real discipline okay. and not real big up front. Okay. Hopefully we can control the trenches and make them play Wilson football. Make them play Wilson football instead of playing their wide open pitch. And then Man Central, they're going to really, they're going to be coming in ready for bear because I mean, we embarrassed them last year. I mean, yeah. Like you said, their own fans were booing. And I think we scored the first four or five times, touched the yeah. ball. And, and then after that, I think our kids, we started subbing a lot. The kids took the yep. off. And they and also then, had some interesting calls from the referees after uh, the crowd was getting into yeah. it. Yeah. They, they didn't want it to get too bad. but. Uh, I mean, they're going to come in here, you know, ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah, it's five non-league games and uh, five tests. Where we are five tests. Yeah. Then you get to play the league game, and you know we finally get to leave Brooks County and get to go to Millersville <laughs> to play Penn Manor. Then you host McCaskey, who just a few hours ago uh, the coach resigned and moved on, yeah, so, so they're in disarray. Games, there. Really, for sure. And at Central, excuse me, at Cedarcrest which uh, is your 200th game as head coach will be at Cedarcrest this year. And then uh, finally get to wrap up the year with the final two LL games at Hempfield mm-hmm. and then host Manheim Township. So those, you know, you got those five big non-league games, um, some familiar and unfamiliar opponents, and then you get the wrap up at the end of the year with two big LL matchups. Yeah, probably the other best two teams in the LL. I mean, uh, Cedarcrest might be in, you know, they have some kids back, so. Penfield, you know, young coach with George Egger, who coached with us for a couple of years. His program is up and coming, and I think, you know, going to get it turned around and do pretty well there. And then Township's Township. It's going to be uh, a battle. Yeah. LL wised up and made that the, the finale, the 10th game. They did. I don't know if they did it intentionally or not. But, you know. <laughs> That's be quite a coincidence to make that week 10 when, you know, because – for a while, I mean, Township's big rival is Hempfield, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that the big yeah. rivalry? So they could easily made that week 10. But, yeah, well, those... The last several years, Township, it's been us or Township. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I think Hempfield, I think, is definitely one to watch. And the tough yeah. thing for, for you guys is having to go to Landisville and take care of Hempfield well, down there. Yeah. So when we saw back in, what, 2015, that they all, almost ended the streak then before, yeah. before there was some... Uh, yeah some great play uh, at the end of the game to bring, bring the Bulldogs back. So yeah, it's always interesting down at, at Hempfield and with the, the way coach Ager has the team moving, uh, they were the biggest test after township last year. It seemed yeah. that you had was yeah. Hempfield coming to Gursky. Right. So to uh, flip the script this year and see what happens. So that's this year's schedule. Um, I always talk about the next year because usually there's something that's changing and there's a big change coming in 2022. Mm. So finally, the Berks County League and the LL League are merging for football only. Uh, and we're also going to get PIAA classification updates. So we're going to see bumps from 6 and 5A. And 
You know, I remember fondly that two years ago, Mifflin missed out on 6A by one person. So we know they're on the bubble. But, I mean, in years past, we've seen Harrisburg drop down. We've seen a bunch of teams change. So not only are you getting opponents changing, you could see playoff opponents changing as well. Um, Do you know about the non-league yet for 2022? Have you even started talking about that with the changes? We talked with Central Dolphin, and we want to retain the game, whether it's going to be week one Right, in all probability, it'll remain as week one, but we're not on a contract. Um, two and three, uh, we don't know what Exeter, whether Exeter is going to want to reschedule us. Probably depends whether what they think they have coming back and what, what they think we have coming. Three is open right now. Three is definitely I don't know open. If Martin Luther King's going to want to keep them. This one's going to week seven, I believe. Um, I have it on here. Uh, six. Six. Yep. That's our crossover with Section 2. Yeah. A convenient buy in the middle right. of the Right. Well, they schedule them that way. Okay. They're buy. We were going to have a buy. Everybody in Section 1 has a buy. Everybody in Section 2 has a buy. So they schedule. They tried to schedule the buys for the team's so actual are, crossovers. Is the LL League, they're not mandating crossovers, but they're making it easier That's for right. you to do a crossover. Right. Well, that makes sense. And now you don't have to worry about grabbing someone like Manite right. Central. You get your natural so rival. we we'll have seven games there. Right. So seven, probably Central Dolphin, and you, then you and leave then you with two. We'll wait and see what happens. And I mean, if Exeter wants to play and Martin Luther King want to play, we'll just find the contract because it's well, tough to find schedule opponents. Yeah, we found out we got Martin Luther King, and at the end of February, yeah. two years ago. Yep. You know, and then I called all the teams. You know, I talked to uh, what's his name on live. He has all the schedules for every team in Pennsylvania. You know, and I talked to him and said, we're still looking for this week. And he said, well, this team's open. I said, yeah, I know they're open, but I called them. They said they, they weren't. They said no. Yeah. You know, they didn't say no. They said they weren't They're open. no longer yeah. open. And I did that with four or five teams that said they weren't. And I just, yeah, well, I remember. I to say you don't want to play. So. I remember sending Drew everything I found. Right. I sent to Drew. I was like, hey, take the, check check right. this out. And it's like, oh, I'll pass it along to Doug. And then I'd follow up and be like, yeah, they said they, said they were no longer right. available. They're no longer um, any any chance you'd reach out to Springford again? Is that an opportunity yeah, there? Yeah, a possibility. Um, you know, I mean, as much as Chad hated the fact that I just, I, that we weren't going to play him because of his son, hey, you know, it's not fair. I wasn't making anything against Chad. It was really fair to his son. We playing on all Puts them in an awkward situation. Against, yeah. You know, hey, Dad, can you help me on this? You know, for the ethics involved. It was easier not to have remove the conflict of interest and revisit after the fact. That really pissed Chad off. It is what it is. So yeah, that's not out of the question. But I think I don't know if they're open. Right. Right. One. That's is the unfortunate thing. Once you have to pull out for something like that, you don't know if there's the opportunity to bring them back is going to happen. Any other teams that are floating in your mind that you think you could add? Like, you know, we've heard for. you were scrimmaging Coatesville this year. Is that a team that you consider or one of the downing towns? Um, or? The problem was a lot of those leagues is how many non-league games. They have almost they're exclusively almost league games. games. And then when they do have a non-league, they're usually locked in pretty much. I mean, we ended up picking up Coatesville as a scrimmage because Phillipsburg had called me in back in January instead of February and said, they don't know if New, right now the way New Jersey was with COVID, they weren't allowing them to play anybody 
outside of the immediate of an immediate region. Region. So, and he said he didn't want to run that risk and tell me in July. I went out, reached out right away, and Goatsville was open. And I don't take it very well. Sure. So, Jim Contafio still helps me. Semi-retired. <laughs> right. Still helping down there. Well, that'll be an interesting scrimmage for you yeah, guys. That's something different. Yeah. Physicality, athleticism. You know, we'll, we'll hopefully come of age. Previously, for the past at least, what, two, three decades, it was Parkland. Yeah. They they backed out last year. You got scheduled with Cocalico in the, the COVID year. The Coatesville will be an interesting change of pace, but still a nice contestant to uh, you know see yeah, where you're and, at. And a perennial district, you know, one powerhouse team. So good for both. And I'm sure they're looking at us the same way. The last thing to wrap up the 2022 before we get back to this year is: Did you have any qualms with the way the Berkshire merger is going down? With the way they slotted the teams, do you think they did it? With the you know the right mindset, or do you think there should have been some other changes or other considerations made? Like anything else, when you're trying to schedule that many teams, yeah, what thirty-seven? Uh, I think it is or thirty-eight. Yeah, um, there's always going to be some questions. You know, you sit there and say, okay, there's McCaskey and Redding, or there's Redding who's just starting to get it going again, and they're going to be in Section One. Is that going to be? Too much for them? Well, I don't know. McCaskey's struggling, so there's a good interesting rivalry. You know, maybe they can compete with some of those. I don't know. Um, section 2 and Section 4 are pretty loaded, medically, and are strong. So, you know, I think the problem with size, now, Man of Central opted to play up the front, or Section 2, I guess. I don't they know are. what they're calling If they're calling the big section six and they're calling the big section one. Uh, I think they're still calling it one. Yeah, I think they're well, that's what I, that. In my mind, that's all I look at. I think Central flopped into play to two. So, and I'm not sure where Burke's Catholic's going. They're in four, I believe. They're in four. With Y missing. With Y.O. and Calico might be. Yeah, yeah, section two and four is a, a, a league buzzsaw. As tough as your non league is, their league their schedule league starting league. next year will be. Very, very entertaining. Until, I guess it'll be Central. Two and four. Mifflin. Mifflin. It may be. Well, they, I think that schedule's set. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. I have it yeah. right here. It yeah. doesn't matter if the re, re, like they took all six, eight teams based on one. current enrollments. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if that changes, what's the six, eight team in section two? Right. Yeah. They, they try to keep it as fair as possible. Everyone's 6A that you play, as of right now. As of right We've now, seen Cedar Crest, I believe, one will be a possible fluctuation. Everyone else. So much land, I can't imagine they're not growing. Right, right. Um, and, and you mentioned the only real other thing to come up in 2022, especially if you would re-up with Exeter, is going to be a nice Burks flavor in your schedule with Redding returning. Yeah, Redding, Exeter. Mifflin, yeah. And, you know, the nice thing about it, not big travel. We're gonna get big crowds. Big crowds, yep. You know, good for the it's good for sports. Yep. It's good for Burst County. I mean, we've talked. This came out, geez, what four years ago that there was talk, and then it was shelved, and then it finally came back and it yeah, was approved. I wish it back. But I mean, it's finally coming. It's almost here, and as far as I can tell, everyone Wilson related, coaches, players, fans, all are excited from a Wilson standpoint. I don't know if. Everyone else is, is in board, especially some of the LL groups. Right. But Wilson specific, this is the best that you could have asked for yeah. in this scenario. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be very, very fun. Um, so let's talk about 2021 now. 
some new faces from outside the program. We talked about ones that are leaving and everyone that's returning on your coaching staff, but there are a few kids that weren't with Wilson before that are with Wilson this year. Um, can you talk about a few of them, uh, specifically uh, quarterback Brad Hoffman? Well, yeah, Brad's a transfer. I mean, I think Brad lived in the Wilson School District all along. Yeah. He decided to come back here. He's competing for a position with, with Gannon and uh, strong arm, big physical kid, has nice leadership skills. You see that he hasn't thrown the ball a lot. So not a staple of the Burks Catholic offense. Not a staple of the wing team, yeah. I think he'll throw more in the first three games than he threw in career, probably, if he ends up a starter. So, you know, him and, and Gannon are battling it out. Gannon's had a, a hamstring pull, so he's kind of been Up handicapped in, in terms of, you know, getting work done and get done. We'll see. I mean, Gannon's also in the hunt to play a starting safety. Now, we were in that situation three years ago, three years ago with Yuri and Wine. And Connor Yurig would have been a heck of a safety, but he was battling for the quarterback spot. That's, that was 2016. And, yeah. And if he would have, you know, if Grayson would have stayed and Grayson would have ended up as our quarterback and Connor was safety, we'd have been a better football team. Leaves a quarterback, <laughs> quarterback full time defense. I kill Not a standard practice for right. Wilson. Right, because much lost. So that's, that's, we're gonna have some growing pains there, needs and things. But uh, I'm, I'm feeling they're working at it. They're, they're both working hard, and I feel a little more comfortable. I'll feel more comfortable after this. Hopefully, I'll feel more comfortable after the scrimmage. Right. You know, they're gonna make mistakes, and they have to learn to minimize the mistakes. Learn they don't have to win the football game. And so they become better. Any other? Um Transfers or moves into the district? Well, we have uh, a kid that moved in from Bloomberg, Mike Cooper. He's scrappy. Is he younger? He's not. Brad's a junior. senior. Yeah, so a junior, a junior. Okay. A junior. A defensive back, wide receiver. I think he, he might have been their starting quarterback this year if he stayed. But he's little. Scrappy. But it's a different world. Moving into Wilson, trying to play a physicality and everything else. Oh, he's he's learning. They, by the way, they've been cleared. Yeah, that was my follow-up. Yeah, Make they, sure they've everyone... They've been cleared. I mean, Mackay, they moved because their house was... They were renting a house and the house was sold. They basically were evicted. We're forced out, yeah. Forced out. That was all put to the PIAA and moved it. And uh, the Hoffman kid was already living here, so. So no, no extra hurdles to jump through. Not there, and then we have another kid from MJ Alameen who moved in from Texas. They defensive back, wide receiver, junior, underclassman. Okay, uh, but he's wall. Okay, I'll put him as wall. You know, it looks like down the road he could become a nice football player. He's got good size. But like anything else, coming here as a whole different learning curve, learning our offense, learning our defense, and just the whole thing, the physicality. 
Now, I know the PIAA a few years ago enacted the transfer rules. They wanted you to move in the district before the start of your sophomore year, I Correct. believe. Does that apply nationwide? Like you talked about the, the, the underclassman, Alameda, moved in from Texas. If he, he moved in, was that a red flag? Did you have to take that to them and say, is he eligible because he moved in before his junior year? Yeah, you, you, any, anytime you have a transfer after sophomore year, you must apply to the PIAA for the hardship. And there's like five of them that, with some gray areas. But we basically just sent to the PIAA and said, listen, here's the scenario. Should we apply? Do we have a chance? And they, they you know, no, we'll look at it. Or no, no way. I'm, you know, the one coming from Texas, I had, the father had emailed me maybe in December saying they were moving. Mm -hmm. His job was changed. He was getting transferred to Pennsylvania. Moving in, so I explained his son was you know going to play. It was fair, and I explained to him. I mean, when most of the time parents contact me beforehand, I make sure they understand the PIAA rules. And I said I can't really talk to you. I can't about you know I can't talk to your son about playing here and everything. He can't participate in anything do rules until he's registered. But understand once he's registered, then he can. But you still understand we have to apply. To to get. I mean, he can play regular season, but he can get right. Yeah, that's a, a clarification. This is all postseason yeah, discussion. Post they can play in all the regular season games, yeah. do all the practices. Yeah. None of that is. And that's uh, also the PIAA doesn't have to deal with the lawsuit saying that he must be scholarship. Right, right. So I, it's just it's interesting to me that they still do that for out of state. I mean, I guess it's always boundary on boundaries, and you don't want people flip flopping in the state. For the PIAA, but someone moving from Texas, you feel like would be an auto slam dunk. That it probably pretty much is, but they don't want to. You know, what if somebody's, you know, if you're a school on the border of Pennsylvania and Maryland, and a kid, might, you know, you're going right yeah, next door, right next door. So yeah. I think they just say, you, you don't want to have a roster filled with kids from Jersey or Delaware competing <laughs> for like Pennsylvania state championships, right? Yeah. All right. So, how about? Wilson's got such a rich history, and one of the big things every year uh, Justin and I focus on is the, the senior class and what players maybe were unknowns as sophomores and juniors, but make a big impact as seniors. Is there any names that jump out to you this year that you think could be uh, joining that legacy? I think there's three or four that what we've seen so far are going to be impact players for us, but I'm not going to say... I'm not going to put any weight okay. or any onus on them until they show that. But, but you that recognize players. that they have but the we potential. We see some players that were very pleased with their progress. How about some of the younger players? You have the same thing that you know maybe the uh, upcoming the two B. It's tough with the sophomore class. You don't get as the two right. B sophomores. You don't have as much exposure to them. But, but the junior class, you know, there's few of those underclassmen that you know yeah. had some time last year, but could explode I this year. Gonna, I think some of our, our linebacker pool are going to be underclassmen. We're pretty impressed with it. And play. I won't. You know, Cam Jones played last year. He'll be a hell of a much better, bigger role this year. Returning punts, all this is a receiver. Well, you know, as well as playing defense back, so he's going to have a. There's a lot of question marks. Said when we started the whole conversation, until we put the pads on, 
especially in the trenches, until we put the pads on. We're not, we're not gonna we're not gonna build. Hopefully. Your expectations as a coaching staff and all the players every year is compete for the district title, you know, make the playoffs, win win the league, and beat Mifflin are usually like the top three. Those are the three. What what outside of those, what expectations do you put on the team or what do you hope to see throughout the season from the squad, not talking about wins and losses and, and championships. What do you want to see from them? What we always try to stress is we want them to become a team. We want them to become a family. We want the people on the team to be the most important people lives other than their blood family. And to develop the character, develop the class that likes to associate with the program. You know, so when people say, there's a really nice guy. He's a Wilson football player. There's a really class act. He's a Wilson football player. There's a really good student. He's a Wilson football player. We want that kind of character building. You know, and that's something that we push. You know, community service stuff that we do. Kids helping kids with them helping at youth camp, with them pushing flat football. You know, try to get across to them that, you know, you have a... Tremendous advantage, what you've been born into and what you're working to. Now let's give it back. You know, let's pay back. And I mean, we have kids that are you know, socioeconomically challenged, you know, with their family life and everything. But, and, but they get a lot out of football. And we do a lot for them. And we try to bring them up, you know, so they realize that football can be a ways to them becoming a better student, ways to them getting a better education, a ways to them becoming better I think one of the best examples that over the last few years, it was highlighted, I believe back in 2019, and it came to the forefront again this winter with Stevie Mitchell was um, Wilson football and student athletes in general, their volunteer work with the special needs or special education program. Right. Um, is there anything that made that jump to the forefront for a lot of the Wilson student athletes over the last few years? Well, I know as far as the football players, especially two things. Number one, Ernie Walbert, our defensive coordinator, works in a special ed department, so with those kids, so bringing those kids in was a natural, you know, hey, you know, we pick our kids, come on in and help with those kids, that was natural, and then we also have the honors internship program where a lot of the kids have now, it's, it's exploded at Wilson, they take in their afternoons and they go out to businesses or they get assigned to places to go and an intern, and, you know, the a lot of our kids are doing stuff. You know, they go to Reading Hospital, they go with doctors, but then they also have those that go into the uh, special needs programs and, and in turn with the special needs people or the elementary team. You know, you know, we do a lot with Big Brother, Big Sister. Unfortunately, we're not going to have the game this year because we're still struggling with the COVID thing, but, you know, our kids get involved in that. We plan to do their Christmas party. Make them aware. I was talking to the uh, the youth football camp the first day, building speech, and I said, you know, I just came back from Jamaica. Then, and this wasn't Jamaica that most of you think of. See on travel magazines, beaches, and all that. I said, I'm talking the hills where those kids they don't have sneakers, they don't have shoes. They're playing everything they played barefoot. They're in tattered clothing, and their fields are bare dirt said look at what you're playing on look at the 
clothing you're wearing and look at the opportunity you have. I say, take advantage of it. to appreciate what you have. And then, hopefully, as they get older, give back. Something I'm very big on. Give back. Give back to the community. Yeah, I think that's the exclamation point. Stay humble and give back. That's yep. what you want to get from not just your football players, but all the that's student familiar. athletes or all the students you come into contact sure. with throughout the year. So um, last thing on the 2021 team, we talked about the schedule. Is there one game that pops to you that not necessarily that this is important, that but you're excited to see happen? Martin Luther King, you never played them before. Township's always a big one. Same thing with Mifflin. Is there anything that jumps out this year as being, you know, super focused on or that is just interesting. I think you make a case for seven or eight of them, but yeah. Central Dolphin, one at a time. <laughs> Central Dolphin, right? <laughs> that's all we're thinking right now is Central Dolphin. Interesting. That's what Coach Wolbert told me yeah. too. Hey, one at a time. <laughs> you, know, you, you start looking ahead, you look at uh, Last year, obviously, we didn't get to do some of our, our fun things with the, the community, but this year, you know, as of right now, we hopefully expect to have stadiums and, and the community back to cheer on the team which means the tradition club is going to restart the, the championship team reunions which we had done for a number of years and this year we're bringing back the fall 85 90 and 96 teams uh can you remember any special memories from any of those teams that are coming back to celebrate with us those are all our championship teams in one way or the other 85 and 96 were ll champions and 90 was the district three champions it's right. inter- the only team to not win the league but win districts right uh, a lot of uh, yeah but got got the revenge in the in the playoffs <laughs> so i think i think you'll take that trade off every time yeah i would take that you want both but, but if yeah. you had to have one winning districts allows you to keep playing so well it's it's interesting because the 90 team you know i mean 89 was collins and crowd and you know we went to state finals and then the 90 team, you know a lot of those kids were back but that yep. was a very young team I mean, you lost Collins, and you lost McCarty, and you lost Paul, and all that. You know, but that 90 team, you know, we could have won states that year. We lost to uh, Ridley. Ridley up at Lehigh on a very, very controversial call. And a lot of those guys from the 90 team are still in the area. Yeah. I mean, so you see them all the time. That was the Fog Bowl, another yep. huge... Carreras. You know, yeah. Chris Addison, Dean Carreras... But uh, Hershey Park over coming about that was another big, but you know, so I know you know you see those guys on a regular basis. I'm sure their team's going to come back with large numbers, and probably some of the '89 people and the '91 people that you know, the overlap, were, yeah. the overlaps. '85 uh, is a little more spread out, and uh, tell you the truth, I'm not sure. '96 is still probably trying to settle. <laughs> You don't know how much they'll travel because of family and you know, it's 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 unfortunate I don't get to see those guys because you know they they all have their whole thing during the game and everything. Yep. But I'm a little yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah, hopefully you know reception afterwards. It's always fun to see. Yep, guys that you coach to work with. Right. It, it, it's always exciting. We were disappointed, like everything last year, to not be able to offer that to them. That's why we're uh, bringing the 85 and 90 back this year um, to celebrate what 
36 and uh and uh what 20 21 instead of 20 award sorry 31 instead of 30 for the 90 team but um 1996 was a john gilmore senior year so i know there's a, a few guys on that team some of the younger guys that are going to try to recruit some of the, their uh, teammates to come back so hopefully we got a good turnout and that's uh during the martin luther king game on september right. 17th um how has coaching high school football changed since you began in 1976 and also, how has it changed since you became head coach in 2006? What are the biggest changes? It doesn't necessarily mean um, on the field even. Just like, what are the biggest changes you've seen over the last um, 15 and 40-plus years uh, being on the sidelines? Well, in, in 1976, we were very limited with what we could do with the kids in the offseason. We could bring them in a lift. That was about it. So, at that point... You know, our lifting schedules were pretty much voluntary. Uh, most of the kids still lifted because of muscle football. The coaches, we didn't put in nearly the offseason. Now, now, it's, if they're not in another sport, they're, they're doing football. I mean, now we have zero periods, so we see them, that's all year long that they're lifting we have plyos in the winter time. We have spring ball. We go Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, eight to eleven. We have seven on sevens. We go to team camp. I mean, it's just it's become three hundred sixty-five day all year round. Uh, what we don't do is compete in the. You know, we don't force these kids. Don't pay for AAU camps and all this. I mean, you know, everything we do is included. Right. Included, yeah. So it has become very time. And then you throw heat acclimatization in. That took another week off everybody's summer, including the kids. And we do all that anyway. I don't know, you know. Yeah, I think that was... Mandated. We, we talked about this when it first came into effect, what, six years ago or so, when it was five years ago. Was, that was more for the teams that weren't doing right. all of the off-season, especially the summer work. So you're essentially giving... The bigger teams, the teams that are, have done the dedication year-round, where you look at it an extra week, but also taking a week away from and everyone's we summer. The, so we also lost the scrimmage. Then now you lost the scrimmage once they went to the wacky week, week zero, zero right? stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's... I mean, we didn't have playoffs in the first... Playoffs started in 80. Um, state playoffs were 88. Districts were 83. Yeah. something like that yeah. i mean so you know you played your 11 games and it was over right as as coach stopped by an old our old offensive line coach used to say hey you get it right you beat mifflin you win the league and you're done in the, at the end of october <laughs> right <laughs> you you attained all your goals all the ones that were on the table you've earned I mean, it so i mean if you think about it now you know play 15 games and that's a long season and we're going deep into the playoffs. I mean, we're smart. We back things off. We he's up a lot. You know, it's more polished, but it's uh, long season. You know, so the, the modern game is, and you have to do it. I mean, at our level, if you're not doing it, you're not competing. And everybody has raised their level because of it. off the field and outside of your purview, things have changed in terms of coverage of the team. Um, and student athletes in general, with the downfall of 
traditional media, you know, your newspapers and, and whatnot, and the rise of new media, especially social media. Um, most recently, we received word that Mike Drago is leaving the Reading Eagle and starting his own venture. Um, has Mike reached out to, out to you since he started this? Or have you been communicating with him about uh, talking with him and his new uh, journalistic endeavor? Mike has reached out to me, but as I said, unfortunately, I was stuck in Jamaica. <laughs> the plane was canceled, you know, so that extended a couple of days. So I really haven't talked to him personally, but I know, you know, he's uh, he's scheduling some meeting to talk about it. I, I really miss the newspaper I, in the sports section. I think the kids do too. They like to see the pictures. They like to see themselves. They like to read the articles. I mean, they've gotten used to the social media, but the old people... The, and the Reading paper is now not even half what it used to no, be. It's, I mean, Lancaster paper does such a much job in sports, local sports there. So unfortunately, that's cool. But you know, I I, I think Mike and you know and Jeff does a pretty good job, and I think they're going to blow some stuff up and hopefully he's successful. With it. Is there anything you'd like to see, like Mike, Jeff, or anyone else out there? to do to document the, the, the student athletes and everything they do through the course of the year that traditional outlets can't do anymore? I, I think I think they're going to have special interest stories, which I think there's a lot of them out there. And I, I always enjoy reading them. I think that the more pictures that they can get with articles that they write, that's what you know, people like to see. And, you know, I, I have to thank you. You've been doing a great job for Wilson football for many, many years. You know, not making any money doing it. Just doing it because you enjoy it. And brought Justin under your wing there. And, you know, I don't know that people realize that uh, how much time and effort you put into it. And it's just because you love programming. Yeah. Well, we so, wouldn't do it if we didn't. Yeah. And, I mean, that's something I, I think parents sometimes take things for granted. I think kids sometimes think. Kudos to you guys, might have many thanks for all the time and effort you put in. Well, sure. Um, we appreciate you taking time to do things like this, and hopefully this year um, we can interview you after after victories, unlike which we weren't able to do last year. But we we hope to bring that back because that's what people want. they want to hear from from you and your assistants and and the players after after the games, after those wins, they want to hear. From it's you. nice for the kids, that fans in the stand, the crowd. Oh, the one nice thing I will say is it was much easier to communicate with players. Yeah, I mean, we could you know, hear what the other coach was saying to his that's, player. That's <laughs> yeah. You don't have five thousand people in the bands and everything making a lot. Yeah, Justin and I remarked. I think it was after. I I don't want to single them out. We said it on the air last year, but uh, some of the coaches were incredibly vocal and uh, say ch choice words for the referees happened way more than I was accustomed to. It usually was being drowned out. So yeah, that was interesting. I think coming back to the beginning of our conversation talking about 2020 and the COVID year, um, if there was a positive to come out of any of that, I think related to this media question was the live streaming of so much stuff. Now your home games had been on Wilson media productions. Who's done a fabulous right. job for a long time. It maybe wasn't as well known as it should have been until the last few years and especially last year, but Wilson live streamed almost everything they could because of not having the fans for the, by and large, at least in the fall and winter, in the stands at all and allowed the people that were prohibited from coming, but also the ones that were unable to get here or live far away could take part in these events from afar. I think that was the biggest benefit. You know, if you want to look at a silver lining of, of last season in general um, for all of um, 
student extracurriculars was the ability to stream everything. Right. That was uh, and, and that was really thrown on. I, like I know they were streaming basketball games and it was, volleyball. Volley. Uh, it was really hard because the the announcer was always there was a time lag yeah. there, and it was really, yeah. You know, they, they they did their best, and, right. and but you know it's all stuff that you know they'll get better. Uh, they need to get some color commentators that understand sport, you know, that are working. Right, know, yeah. Because they were kind of vanilla with, you know. I'll take the baby steps versus yeah, nothing. That, yeah. that's but that. I'll tell you what, I mean, I talked to people all over the country and they watched, you know, Bernie Stoppard watches every game. Yep. Jerry Summer watches the games. Greg Store. You're talking Arizona, Texas, Colorado, Louisiana, yeah, Florida. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't have anything to do with the media production, so I can't see their analytics. But I know just because I can see who's watching when they comment. I'm saying you've got people from all over the United States watching these games. Right. It's something that, that that should have been taken advantage a long time ago, and I hope it stays in whatever capacity they're able to do. But yeah, they I have somebody in Guam list. Yeah, all over. There's Bulldogs fans everywhere. Yeah. So, um, the question I always have to ask every year because people ask me to ask it every year, and I don't like asking it because <laughs> it puts you on the spot in a way. Um, I know what's coming. <laughs> but, you know, your focus is on this year, but have you thought about your future? You told us a couple years ago that it's something that comes to you at the end of the year. When the season wraps is when you really, you know, figure out, is this was this the end or am I ready to go one more round? Is that still where your mental state is at? It is. And, I mean, I'm there, – there are times that all of the paperwork, all of the strenuous stuff wears on you. Right, but working with the kids never gets tiring, and my enthusiasm in a game never gets tiring. So, you know, at the end of a season like last year, with that fiasco with playoffs, when we lose our real close game in the district or state playoffs, you know, you're ready to you're ready to you know, just put in so much time and effort, you're ready to hang it up all the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There, there are other things that I have to take into consideration. I mean, I ask my staff, and I don't know that they're really truthful with me. I don't know if they're really truthful with me, but at the end of every year, when I sit down with them, I don't want to be the way Joe Paterno was in his last several years, where he was a figurehead. The shell of his former yeah. self. That, yeah. They have to let me know. I mean, now my staff runs the program. I don't know that it would miss a beat, you know. You know, I, would, I was in Jamaica last week, and I'm stuck. You know, the things go. You know, they, they're doing, they're developing. I mean, you know, we have, we've been together so long. It's, you know, it's a pretty much a well-oiled machine. But I, I always, you know, ask them to be honest with me. Still, you know, effective, you know, am I losing it? I mean, I'm probably my biggest critic on looking at, you know, where I am and what I do. And, and, you know, my wife gets so upset because I say, we can't go. You know, I can't be away from this. I got to be there for this. And, and I do love to travel. So that's, that's a big <laughs> sacrifice. I mean, you know. But, you know, it's, it, it's something at some point, you know, you have to, have to look at your health. Not getting any younger. Health is good. You know, there's no problem there. But, you know time who knows so uh i'm here for this year <laughs> 2021 is guaranteed 2021 is guaranteed jeff 
Reinhardt, yes, I will be here this year. That's a myth. His, uh, propagated by Ernie Wilber. Practical joke at Media Day. Yes. A good one. Too. Good one. It was very good. And I yeah. didn't put him up to it. <laughs> great, but great the players job. players knew he was doing it because they almost spit their water out laughing. <laughs> he told you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to hear. And I don't want to leave the program not in good hands, not in great shape. So... We have some coaches on our staff that are interested in being head coaches. Don't think they're quite ready yet. So it's every year I reevaluate. That's what you've told me in the past. But I, I I'm a big symmetry and numbers guy. So I look at your your numbers of years and I'm like, well, 20 as head coach and 50 on the staff line up so perfectly. <laughs> So not including this year, you've got four more to go. So, you know, that just, it just, that, that's perfect. Like, you know, that, that's what you're focused on. And that would get, like I promised you a couple years ago now that, you know, if you're still the head coach when it comes to Wilson's 80th season, we would do a flag football well, that game. That would be again. the 80th season. That would right? be, I think, it might be the 80th anniversary or 81st season, I think, because now we're two years into it. So we're three years away from that. Um, but, yeah, it would be the 80th anniversary of Wilson football four years from now. Um, but, yeah, that, I'm just – I'm a symmetry and numbers guy. Not trying to start something. There's there's nothing happening. That's that's all on me. Well, so, any kind of luck, you'd be willing to push 200 wins by that. Yeah, well, hey, it's a, I got all the stats, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, after we uh, – Justin and I catch you after victories this fall. But the last thing – and like I asked your assistants to say, is just is there something you want to say to the fans and community as we prepare to start the 2021 season um, after the way things went last year where very few of them got to watch um, you perform on the field? Um, what, what's your message to them? A Friday night in West Lawn is a huge social community event. I mean, from the little kids that come and run around like screaming banshees and just have fun to the junior high kids who are going through their whole social thing, the high school fans, the, you know, the kids in the high school super fans, you know, it's a, and, and all of the, in all of the fans that we have that have been coming to Wilson football for 40, 50 years. Uh, it's just going to be great to have them back. It's going to be great to have that community centralized activity once again, where everybody can get together and just enjoy High school sports for what I school. Excellent. Well, Coach, thanks again for sitting down with me to talk Wilson football for an hour. And we look forward to speaking with you after uh, victories on fall Friday nights in just a few weeks. Well, you'll talk to me a lot. <laughs> thanks, Coach. Thank you, Jeff. All right. So that was the interview with Coach Doms John just this past week. I know it was long. I know the entire show was long getting to hear from all the coaches, but you know, it's kind of the uh, official start for the football season now that we have that show in because tomorrow's heat acclimatization, as Justin and I mentioned already. So there was your primer. Now we're ready to roll. Wilson football is back, and things are going to be uh, – there's going to be a lot of fun to be had. It's right around the corner. We are, you know, we're less than three weeks away from kickoff against Central Dolphin. So, again, thanks to Coach Wolber. Coach Steinmeier, Coach Brandon Doms, and Coach Doug Doms for sitting down with me for almost two hours between the four of them over the uh, just this past week and doing that for this show. Justin and I will be back next Sunday, as mentioned previously, August 15th, 8.30. 
Just for our normal hour spot, it will be completely live. We will be welcoming in a guest, though, for that live show, and it will be Mike Drago of MikeDragoSports.com, the longtime journalist from the Reading Eagle, covered sports for them, primarily Scholastic, for the last 38 years, has decided to go out on his own, as you probably have seen me uh, writing about on Facebook and Twitter. I hope you've been checking out his stories on MikeDragoSports.com. They have been free since launch a week ago today and will be so for the foreseeable future. But I hope once the uh, paywall goes up, many of you will subscribe to see articles. He's already written a few Wilson-centric articles. He's got a great stats and schedule page for all the teams, not just Wilson. And his most recent article, I believe published uh, today or yesterday, was about Wilson senior running back linebacker Jaden Jones and his career so far and what we could expect from him this year and uh, in the future as well. So check out MikeDragoSports.com and tune in live next Sunday, August 15th to the Bulldog Hour at 8.30 p.m. where Justin and I will sit down with Mike to talk about his new endeavor and him and his coverage over the last nearly four decades of Wilson football. But that's going to do it for me here this evening. Thanks so much for listening or watching to the third episode of the Bulldog Hours seventh season. We'll be back next week. And until then, go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.